Hey, good morning to everyone in Southeast Louisiana. It is play by play coming to you live here from 1130 to 1. We are on ESPN 100.3 and also our regular station, which is 1600 AM KLEB and 102.7 FM KLEB. I will be hosting my play by play show from 1130 to 1. And in between that, we will also be co-hosting, simulcasting, pinch hitting, whatever you want to call it. The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill out on the beach. We've got a fun show coming your way. We'll be live until 3 o'clock talking about local sports in the Bayou region. And then also we'll expand out and talk some New Orleans area sports as well. In the next segment of the show, I'm going to Covenant Christian Academy football coach Cullen Mathern, who will be chatting with us about the start to his camp, which was, uh, you know, they've been on the field the last couple days. Wax Cullen, how things have been going. Then at noon, I'll have Chandler Guitro, South LaFouche High School baseball coach, on to talk about uh, also probably some more football. But Chandler's also an assistant football coach. We'll chat a little bit about baseball, maybe a little more about football as the Tarpons are on the practice fields. 12-15, Kenny Lacey, local basketball coach, does an excellent job. Also the father of Kyron Lacey, who's LSU football player. We'll, uh, we'll chat with Kenny about some things that they have going on out there at his Blood, Sweat, and Tears Academy. It's Friday, so that means we're going to get our weekend predictions. We'll do that at 12.30, give a rundown of some things we expect to see over the weekend. And then at 12.45, we'll give our betting picks, which will then spill over into the sports hangover at 1 o'clock. It's all New Orleans all the time. We're going to be talking about Saints camp, some of the things that have happened in recent days. We'll have Rafael Esparza on at 1.15 to talk about some things happening in Vegas my old buddy Richard Fisher will be on at 1.30. From 1.30 to 2 o'clock, we'll be chatting with the fish about Saints camp, LSU camp, and everything in between. Then we've also got Marlon Favorite at 2.15 and Leo Haggard at 2.30. Big Fave will be chatting with us about some Saints and LSU. And Leo Haggard, he covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll be chatting about that. And then at the bottom of the show, I'll get my thoughts on the Deshaun Watson suspension and then also the NFL's decision to appeal that suspension. And who knows what, what we might get lost into in, in the course of the show as we chat and, and then figure some things out throughout the rest of the show. So for our regular listeners here on Play by Play, we like to reminisce a little bit on Friday. Flashback Friday, whatever you want to call it, we like to reminisce a little bit and tell some stories of our past because I believe that you could predict a lot about your future if you know your past and you recognize your past. And one of the things that I want that we always do here on Friday is we tell stories of amazing games and different things that I have seen over at the high school level. So let me tell you about a game that happened in the 2004 high school football season. It was actually the final high school football game of my senior year at South Lafouche High School. I was not a player, y'all. Y'all don't want to see me play football. In high school, I was 110 pounds soaking wet as nerdy as can be. But I was the statistician for the team, so I was involved indirectly. And let me tell you about the night that South Lafouche upset Ryan Perlou and the mighty East St. John Wildcats. The Tarpons were 1-8 and eight coming into the game. They had a new first-year head coach. Coach Tommy Gisclair was the head football coach of the Tarpons at that time. Shifted the offense from, you know, like a spread type offense to more of a power, uh, triple option style offense. It wasn't working. <laughs> uh, it wasn't working. The Tarpons were fumbling the ball, turning over the ball. They did not have a good season that year. They were in a lot of games, had a lot of talent on the team. Just the transition was a difficult one. Lots of turnovers, a lot of untimely mistakes, a lot of missed assignments. 
And it all led to the Week 10 game with East St. John and Ryan Perilou. It was Ryan Perilou's senior season. At the time, Ryan Perilou was a Texas commitment. We, of course, know he ended up going to LSU and having a very uh, interesting collegiate and then professional career. But Ryan Perilou was a Texas commitment at the time, and he was regarded as probably the number one player in the country, five-star commitment. So you got East St. John coming in. They're scoring 40, 50, 60 points on everybody. You got a 1-8 and eight South Lafouche team. Everybody's thinking, all right, East St. John's going to win this game 50-10. to 10. South Lafouche will go on into their offseason. No harm, no foul. You know, this will just be kind of the 10th contest and, you know, a chance to get humbled by a guy who's going to be a famous quarterback someday. That ain't what happened. In watching some film of East St. John during the week, a couple of Tarpon players met with a couple of Tarpon coaches, and they decided to abandon the triple option for one night. They saw some things on film. Hey, we could run some power against these guys. Tarpons changed their approach that night and ran wild. It was one of the biggest high school upsets that I have ever seen to this day. Kevin Guidry ran for 300-plus yards in the game, scored Five touchdowns. He was tremendous. Thomas Bruce ran for more than 100 yards in the game. The quarterback, Ryan Pete, ran for like 70, 80 yards, 80, 70 or 80 yards in the game. The Tarpon offense was incredible. Ryan Perilou was incredible too now. He did his thing. He was running. He was throwing. He was making plays. But at the end of the day, the Tarpons got enough stops and ran a rough shot. They defeat East St. John 39-36 to on that night. It was one of the biggest upsets that I've ever seen. Now, a lasting memory here in our Coastal Broadcast um regulars here will understand and appreciate this. I was the football team statistician on that night. But it also was my last game as a senior in high school. So like I decided, hey, I want to go be in the student section, right? Like I want to go have some fun. We're not going to the playoffs. Let's, you know, let's go be a kid. So I'm in the student section taking notes and everything while there's confetti flying and everything. And in between every drive, I'm running up and down the bleachers in Memorial Stadium going into the press box and handing a sheet of updated stats to Ken Freelander and Tommy Plaisons who were calling the games at the time. And I remember waking up the next day and like being sore, like feeling like I was sick or something. And then I realized, had the realization, dude, you probably ran about 30 or 40, you know, sprints up the top of the stadium. So that's why the soreness came in, but it was all pure adrenaline. It was so much fun. Remember the student section was trying to run onto the field during the game that got nixed pretty quickly. We were not allowed to do that. Um, but that's a night that a lot of folks on both sides will remember forever. I know the players on that. We still, you know, when we get together, uh, class reunions, everything of the sort, we still talk about that and tell the stories of that night. And then even the folks on the East St. John side remember that night. I, I had Larry Dotrieve, who was their longtime coach on a couple weeks ago here on play by play. One of the first things he brought up was hell. One of the, you know, the most memorable nights for me as a coach is remember we went down the bye and we were supposed to run rough shot and you guys had only won one game and ran all overs. So even they still remember that. And we all know the story of Ryan Perlow. He ended up not being a Texas signee. He ended up changing his commitment to LSU on signing day in 20, uh, 2005. Um, ended up not really panning out. He was in and out of trouble. Had some legal issues, played a little bit, played sparingly, won LSU and SEC championship game, had a little cup of coffee in the NFL, but ultimately he was not able to get out of his own way long enough to end up being the player that he uh, otherwise could have been. But y'all talk about a, an amazing high school athlete. Oh my God, that guy. Um, football, 
run and throw, rocket for an arm, 70, 80 yards down the field with ease. Basketball, a guard attacking, getting in the paint, being physical, being stronger than everybody, scoring, drawing fouls, steals, blocks, rebounds, the works. And then the sport that people don't realize that he was good at, he was ridiculous in baseball. Like an outfielder, I remember my senior year, the same year, when baseball season comes around, we're now in 2005, he steps up to the plate, his first at-bat in the game between East St. John and South who's down the bayou. First pitch hits him in the shoulder, okay? Umpire, uh, Ryan drops his bat, starts to head the first base umpire, says, nope, you didn't try to get out of the way, come back. As in theory, you're supposed to try to make a move to get out of the way of, of an incoming pitch. So Ryan Pirlo says, all right, cool. Next pitch is like a ball wide. Then the next pitch after that, he hit it to the golf course. So, yeah, uh, uh, I'm sure the Tarpons would have been happy if he would have just went on first base. Instead, he ended up hitting a towering long home run. He was ridiculously good. But forever, the South Lafouche senior class of 2005 will be able to say they upset him and scored one of the biggest upsets in local history. It's a story that they still talk about whenever we get together as a group. It's play-by-play here on KLB. Let's thank our sponsors, man. Our uh, sponsor sheet has grown a little bit this week, and we're certainly very grateful for all the folks who are uh, supporting what we do. Southland Dodge and Homa, industrial power systems for all your engine and generator needs because power is our middle name. Dufresne Building Materials got you covered for all your roofing needs. Buzz Off, the only all-natural mosquito control professionals providing guaranteed results. Rouse's Markets feels like home. And Golden Motors, where price is priority, proudly supporting South Lafouche Athletics and community youth sports organizations. Also a reminder, join us tomorrow, 10 o'clock, for the Sports Corner, presented by Terrebonne General Health System with Stan Gravois and myself for the latest in local high school, college, and professional sports from your local sports experts, sponsored by State Bank and Trust Company. Tomorrow's Sports Corner will be a special Sports Corner, but we'll be live from the bourbon tasting event over at Rouse's from 10 to 12. Um... Buddy Miller, I, I hope they're not giving me any booze while I'm on the air, man. That, that could get nasty, bro, but we're going to be live from 10 to 12 tomorrow at the bourbon tasting at Rouse's. Let's catch a break when we get back. We're going to Cullen Mathern Covenant Christian Academy. It's play-by-play and also the sports hangover on ESPN 100.3 and also KLB. We'll be right back after this. Hey, Mike Davis here. Looking for your next new vehicle? Come check us out at Golden Motors. Price is priority. Come place your very own order or choose what is in stock or coming in. Many 2022 Silverado trucks and SUVs to choose from. New vehicles are here on the way. Chevy, find new roads. And if you're looking for that slightly pre-owned or any make and model vehicle, we have it in our huge selection or don't see it, we can get it. Just stop by on the back road and cut off or call us at 985-325-1000. Some people just have a knack for being there when you need them the most. Like your third grade classmate who sticks up for you against that bully. The neighbor who gives you a jump start. And the friend who chases away that flock of geese at your outdoor wedding. Your state farm agent has your back too, through good times and the not so good. And who's got your agents back? State Farm, the company people have trusted for more than 90 years. We're here to help life go right. Call State Farm agent Ashley Barrios and cut off today at 985-632-0988. 
Pesky mosquitoes, gnats, and all kinds of South Louisiana bugs taking over your yard? Have no fear. Buzz Off is here to save your summer. Buzz Off is the only locally owned pest control company focusing on your outdoor living space. They use 100% organic ingredients, safe to all humans and pets. Check us out on Facebook or book your appointment today at buzzoffnow.com. Meet our cedar beaters now. Call 985-333-8989 today to take your lawn back. Buzz Off Mosquito Control. Safe. Effective. Guaranteed. You can taste some of Kentucky's rarest and most sought-after bourbons this Saturday at Rouse's Markets Bourbon Pop-Up. Rouse's Markets is pouring rare and hard-to-find bourbons at their Golden Meadows store this Saturday, August 6th from 10 to 12, or the bourbons run out. That's this Saturday at Rouse's Markets in Golden Meadow, 10 to 12. Whether you're a bourbon enthusiast or just getting into the bourbon game, you'll be pappy at Rouse's Bourbon Pop-Up in Golden Meadow. Home health services in South LaBouche are vital right now. Look no further than Lady of the Sea Home Health, where the sick, the elderly, and the homebound. Our caring staff makes each day a little brighter, a little better. With quality health care and warm, genuine support, you and your loved ones are the most comfortable, content, and independent in your own home. Speak to your physician today about home health services from Lady of the Sea. Call 985-632-6900 for more information. Quality health care locally for you. It's always a good day for some Hendrix here on Play by Play. We're going to be shifting over and sharing some time with the sports hangover in the next segment of the show. But first, let's chit chat with Covenant Christian Academy football coach Cullen Mathern, who's on the line now. Coach Mathern, good morning, man. How are you? Doing great. How about y'all? Great, buddy. You guys are uh, back on the practice field, getting ready for the season, which begins in now less than a month. Uh, how are things looking on the field so far, brother? Man, well, field's sloppy right now. It's been raining yeah. every day, but uh, no, it's, it's uh, guys are super excited and uh, a lot of energy and practice. And man, these kids are ready for uh, for pads. We've been we've been going at it every day, and team sessions has been kind of just a uh, you know two hand touch, get to the ball. Because we can't go pads yet, and so offense and defense are definitely ready. Because you know the little smack talk of you would have tackled me here, no, you wouldn't have has begun. So there's a lot of energy for Monday, and we're excited. Very good, coach. Does there reach a point in camp where you guys are just like fed up with one another, and you're ready to hit on somebody else? I'm not saying that that's where you are right now, but I feel like at some point in camp, the guys are tired of blocking against you know their classmates, and they're just ready to go and beat up on somebody else. Absolutely. Like I said, we've done a great job. What I feel as a coaching staff this this little uh, you know early fall, it's create a competition between these kids. So they're ready to not necessarily hit somebody else. They're kind of ready to to hit each other. They're kind of ready to see what the summer you know putting on ten pounds of muscle has done. They're ready to see you know what what football is really about, and they're excited. I know they're probably ready to hit somebody else too. And trust me, if I would let them, they would. But they're really, really excited to get the pads on, get the hitting going, and then trying to start getting really ready to separate the men from the boys, for sure. Very good. How's the offense looking, man? I know you said you're replacing some skilled players and also your quarterback, but you said in the offseason you were excited. How'd they look so far to open up camp? Oh, good, good, good. And we've been splitting our uh, camp up about as evenly as a matchup as we can. I know at a small school, you know, you want to tend to – lean certain ways but we're trying to two platoon about as closely as possibly can like the big boys uh and it's made a very competitive day sometimes i'll give the better athletes the defense 
some days I'll take a, you know, one of the two of them and just, we try to keep it as closely competitive, you know, as we possibly can. And like I said, offense is looking good. If I put all the studs on offense, we look really, really good because we have a lot of young guys. They really don't have a lot of name, names out there as being football players, but they're really, really good. But it's been competitive every day. It's all you could really ask for. And in terms of the quarterback play, Kyler is really picking it up. He's, he's the leadership of it, the, the vocal, uh, requirements of a quarterback he's getting better at. And just every day we just get a little bit better. You know, that's interesting, and you're bringing that up, and I didn't even really think about that, is, okay, a a school with greater enrollment and bigger roster numbers, they'll just say, all right, we'll do ones versus twos or ones versus ones or twos versus twos, whatever. You guys can't really do that. Your ones versus ones would be all guys that are going both ways, and, you know, you wouldn't be able to get any work done. How do you juggle that? Like, do you mix and match to try to make it more competitive? How do you juggle that? Oh, absolutely. So one of the my big components going into the season is says, okay, if we have 40 guys on the roster, which is what we're going to predict we finish with, I need number one to get better and I need number 40 to get better. And so the days, you know, we split up, you know, sometimes if it's a smaller day, you know, we split up 16-17 on offense, 16-17 on defense. Sometimes I'll give the studs to defense. Sometimes I'm taking the studs. Some days I'm giving all the big boys to the defense. Some days I'm taking the big boys. And we try to, you know, instead of getting 11 guys better, we try to, you know, some days we got guys starting at receiver and they're not going to start at receiver in the game. But today's the day to see what they're made of. And we try to get every single guy on that roster a little bit better. Every single day, like I said, guy number one and guy number 40 gets better on a daily basis. Because some days, you know, we may have a guy hurt, guy sick, guy out and whatever. You know, hey, you're starting receiver today, or you're starting linebacker today. Uh, and, you know, if we just kind of lean on our, our better guys all the time, he doesn't get that experience. So to me, it's maybe you could call it one and a half versus one and a half. But it's uh, it's about as competitive as, like yesterday, we did uh, nine possessions, team offense versus team defense. And it was four points offense, four points defense going into the final possession. Goes down to a fourth and goal, defense gets a stop. You know, that's that's what we want. We want a competitive day where everybody gets better. You guys are going to be scrimmaging South Lafouche in a couple of weeks. I know that'll be an opportunity to really see where some of your holes are against a school that's going to have a greater enrollment than you. And also, man, sentimentally for you, man, that's your home school and everything. I'm sure that'll be kind of neat taking them on, huh? Oh, I love it. I love it. When BJ gave me the text and I got approval from our principal, I, you know, I was smiling from ear to ear. And like I said, I love I love going back there. I love going back there when I was coaching baseball at Terrebonne. I love going back there, you know, for this opportunity. You know, it's where I played football. It's where I, you know, sweated. And, you know, this is where I took my last steps off a of football field. So it's, it's very sentimental, you know. And I told the guys, look, y'all go play. I said, it's going to be a little sentimental to me because I still live five minutes away from that field, you know. But it's a good choice. I love uh, BJ and Bryson, what they're doing over there. So it's a good, they're good people. You know, and you want to go against teams that are good people that you know are going to give a good competition. And like I said, there's nothing better than Salafusha hospitality. Yeah, no doubt about that, brother. Very well said. Uh, how many total do you have in the program right now, man? I know you said that your numbers were, were pretty good over the summer. Did you retain most of that heading into fall camp? Oh, yeah. We, uh, we're going to probably play, give or take, in between the 35 to 40 range. I, I would assume uh, we still got a few kids that have kind of – you know, small school, very, very busy, you know, maybe 30. We've been having about 30 to 35 at practice every day. And we think once school starts, we may find, a, you know, a few more in the hallways. That uh, we, you know, It's a constant recruiting of trying to get those kids in the hallway that, 
you know, you'll take anybody. You want to try to fill out a roster, and you also want to try to give everybody that high school football experience. So, yeah, we're going to probably high number 40, probably more realistic number, probably about 35. Very good. Tell me about your special teams, man, uh, because, you know, kicking and punting and all those little things, we take that for granted, but that's a big part of the game on Friday nights, man, and with limited numbers, do you have a couple of guys that could, you know, maybe bang home an extra point consistently, or you guys got, you know, a punter that could get it 30, 40 yards down the field consistently, or is that still a work in progress? Well, look, we're very, very blessed that we have a really good soccer program at Covenant Christian. Travis Bear is a soccer coach. He's a fantastic soccer coach, so we have a lot of guys like at Covenant Christian that you'd be surprised can go boom those extra points. You know, I, I like to make the joke. I got more kickers than quarterbacks. <laughs> um, no, but I, we got a kid named Carson Bear. He's only a sophomore this year. He's, he, could, he could boom a 45-yarder. Uh, I've seen him do it warming up at ULL. Before the Oberlin scrimmage, I mean, he boomed one from about the 40-yard line. And so we've got that down packed. And then the thing is to have a few backups. Because Carson's one of those kids that, you know, is going to play linebacker. He's going to play some receiver. He'll play a little running back. But we also have a few other kids, like I said, coming from that soccer program that can catch a snap and boom it for us. And, you know, we have a few specialists, and we allow them to do their thing. We have one kicking specialist and one punting specialist. But like I said, if it's if it's Carson, if Carson's legs are good, it's going Carson. If not, we got a two specialists kind of in our back pocket. I really like the start to your season. I think it's a very interesting start to your season. You're playing Thrive Academy at home. You're new to the rivalry game with Homa Christian. You play Morgan City, which is a 4A school, but traditionally not an excellent 4A school, so one that you could probably compete with. I think that that's going to be a fun start to the year before your district. Dude, I like the way your schedule shakes out. Oh, I love it. It, it was uh, definitely Homa Christian. Um, super, the guys are super excited for that. They've been getting the phone calls, uh, Snapchats and emails about it that, you know, Homa Christian's back, even though, you know, that's been a great rivalry for us. I'm glad we get it back. And then Thrive Academy is going to be a good challenge. They're going to be an athletic group. You know, we feel that schematically uh, we're going to be able to do what we need to do against them. But like I said, to have a team like Thrive Academy that's going to be pretty athletic uh, to go against the rival in Homa Christian and then to go against Morgan City, and if Casey picking it up, I'm not afraid to go against the big boys. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's kind of been my mentality since day one at this school. Like, I don't care if we got 35 kids. We, you know, we can only play 11 on 11. You know, so we go against anybody. And I said, Morgan City, with Coach Stroud, he's not there anymore. It was Coach Meyer now. But Coach Stroud, we were setting up that uh, game for a good while. We loved it. It was a good game. It's a good challenge for them. It's a great challenge for us. And so, yeah, we, we love, I loved our first three games rolling into district. Very good. Coach, uh, t- tell me about your defense. We've talked a lot about your offense defensively. Are you guys excited about what you have coming back? Well, defense right now, for an offense of mine, our defense has been doing too good because they've been flying around <laughs> this first week. And, you know, like I said, they took a, took a game away from us yesterday. But, no, defense is fantastic. I had a great talk with a guy named Frank Monica. I'm sure you know who that is. Oh, yeah. Frank told me, he said, Coach, you need to put your best 11 on defense. I said, I know you're an offensive guy, and it's going to hurt you a little bit. He said, but those best 11 go on defense. And we've done that, and that defense is swarming. It reminds me of a uh, – I've showed some old high school film of the Blue Swarm with Coach Gaines, and I said, guys, this is what it looks like. And we got a bunch of fast, athletic, not very tall. We don't look – we're not tall. Of course, we're 5'7", five, 5'8", five, at best. But we got a bunch of fast, athletic kids on the outside who fly to the ball and create havoc and on the defensive side you got defensive linemen 
Uh, JT, Coach Joe's kid, he's a good 240, 250, and he's a bully on the D-line. Uh, Brendan Champagne, a strong, athletic, probably 200-pound kid. So the D-line is getting held up, and then, like I said, we got a swarm in the backside that uh been giving me problems all week for sure. Beautiful, man. Thanks so much for the time. We'll chat again soon, okay, brother? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Yep, that is Coach Mathern over at CCA doing an excellent job. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we'll shift over to the sports hangover side of our program. It's play-by-play and also soon the sports hangover on ESPN 100.3 and also 1600 AM KLEB and 102.7 FM KLEB. We'll get Chandler Guitros in the next segment of the show. This the summer event at Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat and Homa. Not only can you get a great deal on a Ram, but you can see their impressive lineup of new commercial trucks and vans. Southland Dodge has the perfect vehicle for your business with Ram's long-lasting new pickups or their efficient new Ram work vans. Choosing the right ones should be easy. Get more for your business with a new Ram truck or van at Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, 6161 West Park Avenue in Homa. Here for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Did you or your loved ones go without this hurricane season? Well, this year, go with Industrial Power Systems, your only local power generation professional serving Lafourche for over 18 years. We offer sales, service, installation, and maintenance on all major brands of residential, commercial, industrial, and marine generators for the most trusted brands in the industry. Generac, Kohler, Briggs & Stratton, Cummins Onan, and many more. Industrial Power Systems. Power is our middle name. Call us today at 632-1692 or come see us on the back road in Galliano. Hello, friends and family. Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about Dufresne Building Materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system called Dufresne Easy Buy? Come see us at DufresneLumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the Dufresne difference. Terrebonne General Health System, where medical science meets the art of caring, is committed to providing the latest advances in medical technology with a gentle caring touch. This is evident in our high-tech, high-touch approach to healthcare. As a trusted healthcare resource, we deliver both life-saving, compassionate inpatient services and life-changing preventive care, while also providing wellness needs and outreach throughout the Bayou region. To learn about how Terrebonne General is providing innovative healthcare solutions, visit tghealthsystem.com. You may think every weather app is the same, until you see WeatherBug over-deliver on so many layers. With more free map layers than any other weather app, WeatherBug warns you the moment lightning strikes near you, prepares you for your commute with road conditions, routes, and even cameras. With everything from pollen and air quality to severe storm risks, radar, and satellite coverage, WeatherBug prepares you for the unpredictable. Download the WeatherBug app, trusted by over 10 million users, today for free. Welcome back to Play by Play slash the Sports Hangover here on ESPN 100.3. Casey Gistler here. We'll be here 
till three o'clock for our New Orleans listeners. I promise I've got a bunch of Saints and City stuff coming for you beginning in the one o'clock hour. But while we're doing play by play, we'll be heavy into the high school athletic scene and we go to the phone lines. Chandler Guitros, South Lavouche High School baseball coach and assistant football coach on campus. Coach, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? Hey, Casey, doing great. You? Good, good. Uh, first day of school, you got the students back, you got your kids back on campus. I know that that's an exciting time, man. How's the first day going so far, bro? Let me tell you what, it's uh, it's outstanding, Casey. Uh, the last two years, we haven't started a year uh, without our kids in mass. And just being able to see a smile on a kid's face and everybody just back to being normal human beings again, man, it's just been great to see. And definitely a morale boost to everybody. It's been a great day. No doubt, brother. And look, I mean, I, we've still got to get through the meat and potatoes of the hurricane season, so I don't want to jinx anything yet. But, and there are still repairs going on at the school, so I'm not, you know, pretending like everything's fully back to normal. But it's as normal as it's been in a while. I mean, you guys are able to access most of the school. The kids are able to roam freely. You're not having to eat lunch in the, in the classroom anymore. You could get out to the cafeteria and be somewhat normal again. I know that's got to be a, a sense of relief and a breath of fresh air. Like, man, maybe we put some of this other crap behind us a little bit. Yeah, uh, this, uh, I just walked out of my classroom. If you don't look up at the holes in the roof, uh, in, our, in our ceiling, everything else looks like it would be a normal first day of school again, man. So, uh, you know, the start of the 2020 year and the 2021 year is just obstacle, obstacle, obstacle. And now it's just been great, uh, you know, just to see the kids have that sense of normalcy back a little bit. Brother, tell me about this. Um, you guys are on the football practice field right now, and uh, BJ and Brody were both talking about, you know, how the freshmen are a little bit slower to get started, but you know they're they're kind of getting things organized and situated. And you, you were telling us last Friday, got to get some paperwork and everything. It's now been about a week. Uh, have you guys gotten any work in with the freshmen specifically yet? And if so, how's that looked? Absolutely, man. We really uh, like what we see um, from this group as we, uh, you know, we kind of knew we would. It's a little heavy, uh, more heavy in the skill positions as uh, opposed to the offensive line as we have had in past years. Uh, but that'll come around. We just got to find guys and we're going to be hunting the halls today. Uh, but we've been out on the practice field for three days now. Today's going to be day number four. And uh, this has been great, man. We're not padded up yet. It's been a lot of, uh, you know, just individual drills. And uh, we're actually doing individuals with the team with only two freshman coaches. It's kind of tough for us to bounce around to every position group. So we do individuals with the varsity team. Then we go and walk through team situations on our own. Uh, you know, lining up, we put in our base inside zone and our first uh, pass play over the last couple of days. And we'll be looking to expand upon that today and later going on into next week. Uh, but definitely a very talented group with the skill group. Um, and uh, alignment-wise, we just going to build them. Coach, sports-wise, um, and this goes to football and baseball as a whole, one of the biggest things that people don't realize nor talk about is the fact that, hey, look, we've got pretty much most of the varsity games in through Ida, through COVID. Like, we have did our best outside of the one, you know, spring where it all got washed away. Since then, we've done our best to get competition games in. Where there has been a big let-off and a big drop-off has been JV games and freshman games and some of the, you know, the, the younger teams have not been able to play as much because the varsity teams are keeping their calendars wide open in case games got to get postponed or moved or whatever it may be. So to know, Hey, it looks like again, and we're knocking on wood that it's going to be a full freshman season this year. Talk about what that does for a program to that next year when those kids are 10th graders. And then whenever they become 11th graders playing a JV season after that. They're going to have actually seen some time on the field as opposed to having almost their whole season get canceled. 
Look, it's huge. I mean, last year, Ida hit. We were scheduled to play our freshman jamboree on the Thursday, and then that got canceled because of a torrential downpour, and all of a sudden we decided on Friday, uh, I believe it was the day of the varsity jamboree, it was supposed to be at home. Uh, you know, the uh, school district canceled school to say, get the heck on out of here. They got a storm coming. And when we got back, we did not play a, a single freshman game last year. Uh, those guys were relegated to uh, a couple of series in JV games, which were very few and far between. So, yeah, I mean, that, that was a year of development that was lost, and it is huge. And, uh, you know, I think uh, schools like us, South Terrebonne and Allen, they're the ones that, uh, you know, really got the, the brunt end of it. And this is football and baseball. It hurt a lot. You know, it hurt a lot. And those guys have a little bit more catching up to do now at the varsity level. Um, you know, for us, it's about building uh, building these guys. It's about teaching them base offense. That way, when they get to that varsity level, they know how to line up. They know the playbook. They, they're they not getting yelled at just for not knowing where to go. Uh, so the biggest thing is teaching technique and scheme. Um, and, you know, you get that a lot on the board. You get that a lot in practice. But through playing games, man, because everything looks pretty on a whiteboard. Everything looks pretty when you walk through it in practice. When you got another dude trying to knock your head off, it don't always look so pretty. Right. So, uh, you know, so you know, uh, it's just that that war you got to go through to become a complete player. So, talk us through this at the freshman level at Southwest. You guys run like a, a scaled version of the varsity offense. I ask that because you know I, I'm shooting middle school football last year, and I believe as LCO playing Ed White or no, it wasn't LCO. It was Ed White playing somebody, and I'm thinking before the game like, okay, Ed White's going to be running. You know, they're going to be running their their option stuff. And they lined up and ran shotgun and threw the ball game long. I was like, what the hell are they doing? That's not what their varsity does at all. So <laughs> at South Lafouche, do you guys run a scaled version of BJ's offense? It is the same exact language, same exact uh, playbook, just scaled down, like you said. So we're not tagging as much stuff. Uh, as far as route tree combination at our varsity level, our quarterbacks and receivers, there, there's a lot of options on routes based on defensive alignment to where you could call a play and you could run it, you know, five different ways just based on how the uh, the back seven's kind of aligned to you, how they press and what that safety's doing, what hash are we on, all that kind of stuff. At the freshman level, we teach the basic version, the basic bread and butter. This is what it looks like on if we go on against air. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we kind of build upon that, or the plan is to build upon that later in the season where we have all our rules that we follow uh, and that kind of stuff. But our, our big thing is teaching them base what it should look like if you're going on air. And as we build through the season, we start introducing a little bit more of that other stuff that our varsity team has so much success with. And that's why you see, uh, you know, last year we didn't throw uh, or run very many plays where we didn't have a guy open. Uh, Coach uh, Young has a great playbook. It's well-designed, and he does a great job of teaching it. And uh, it's for us, so whenever they get to that level, they're able to make the adjustment a little bit more quickly and not be learning from scratch. Very good. And in terms of numbers, how many ninth graders do you have out there? And then you said something early in the interview, you said, hey, man, we're going to be roaming the halls. Is there still an opportunity or an availability, an availability for a kid to play if they haven't already signed up? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we're going to be hunting today. You know, we just getting started with our ninth graders, man. So it's, uh, you know, you, you can't judge based on everybody's situation right now, how they're getting information, if they see in the – the ads and all to come sign up for tryouts, all that kind of stuff. So we're going to be kind of hunting them down a little bit over the next couple of days at that ninth grade level, try to get them into the program as soon as we can. And our numbers right now, we actually are pretty big for a ninth grade squad. We got about uh, 35 uh, guys, and that number will uh, kind of grow as we get more guys cleared. So it's a, it's a big challenge. We're trying to get them all playing time, and it's a shorter game. 
Uh, but we look forward to getting these guys as many reps as we can. Baseball-wise, how many guys do you have in your baseball program that are strictly baseball guys? Do you have any? you have a few? Ooh, uh, we it's probably about mixed, if I'm honest with you. Uh, we have a ton playing football this year, which I was so happy about. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a coach that I, I think to be a well-rounded athlete, you can't at these younger levels be just focused on one sport unless you're a uh, you know Bryce Harper or Mike Trout coming out of high school those right. type of guys. <laughs> then okay, you, you can focus on baseball if that's you. Um, but uh, I think it's pretty much fifty-fifty, man. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but we got a lot uh, playing different things. Uh, but several that are just baseball guys. So right now they're in that kind of common stage. I really don't want them throwing a lot or anything like that. Take a break. We we don't want you burned out by February when we're ready to get rolling. So uh, this is the time. Get a little break. Get in the weight room uh, in your PE classes. And, uh, you know, just focus on getting bigger, faster, stronger. And whenever we're ready to ramp up uh, with whatever our off-season program looks like based on the information we get from the state, um, getting into that throwing program uh, later on in the fall and uh, getting back in the cages in about a month. You know, we kind of talked a little bit about this, and I'm not going to actually elaborate, but I know you said you don't know the full details, but Brody was telling me yesterday that it looks like 4 by 4s are going to maybe be going away for basketball too, man. Like this is going to be something that's going away throughout the entire athletic spectrum, which is very unique. I don't like it at all, um, but it's a very interesting situation that could be taken full. Yeah, and uh, look, what we're, we're hearing is that, you know, depending on what your school district allows, you might be able to start earlier. And the only thing that I would look as a positive is instead of a four-in-one where I'm asking Coach Chasson to stay there for two and a half hours and work different groups of four at a time, now maybe we can work eight at a time, man. You sure. know what I'm saying? And still get that same coaching, still get that same work, and make it a little bit easier on our assistant coaches who don't get paid in the off season. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's about the only positive. My biggest fear is burning out kids, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. If uh, if certain schools are, we're I'm, I'm telling you, we're not having full fledged practice whether they let us or not uh, that early. Um, but uh, I think it just leads to burnout, man. And uh, it shouldn't be a year round thing. They're kids. Um, the four and ones are fine. I, I think maybe upping the number a little bit, like I just mentioned, would be great. Uh, but we still don't know what it looks like. That's why, uh, you know, I wish I could give details. I can't even email my kids and tell them what it's going to look like because we don't know. <laughs> so uh, hopefully we get some uh, some more clearance from the state soon and we could, you know, have a plan. That's, that's all we ask is for correct information for everybody to be on the same playing field, know what the rules are, and go from there. I know we've only got about a minute and a half with you left, bro, but tell me about this. Like, how do you do all this stuff? Do you're coaching football, coaching baseball, you're teaching like a core subject. Like you got a lot going on, my dude. Like how do you juggle this whenever school actually starts? Yeah, it's uh you know, wake up early and you you, you put the work in when you can, man. It's uh right now I'm I'm mainly focused on the football aspect until we kinda get the ground rolling with that. And uh, you know, Coach Young has uh been gracious uh with my role in the football program. I don't come on the weekends on Saturdays, Sundays like those guys do. So that really frees up a lot. But uh, like you said, yesterday after football practice, I had to go cut the baseball field because it didn't rain in two days. So it's uh, definitely challenging, especially with two little ones at home. But, uh, you know, it's uh, this is a sport where, I mean, you either all in or you all out. Or this is a, a career that you're either all in or you're all out. So if, if you're not giving it all in, you shouldn't be doing this because the kids deserve the best they can get. Uh, so that's kind of the attitude that I've always taken with it. No doubt. Very well said, brother. Thanks so much for the time. Have a great rest of your first day of school, my man. 
All right, Casey, I'll have a great weekend. Talk to you all next week. Yep, that is Coach Chandler Guitros doing a wonderful job. They're at their first day of school with the students there. They've been on campus throughout the you know the early stages of the week, and we certainly wish them all the best of luck in the upcoming school year. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we'll comb through the headlines and talk about some things happening in the world of sports that caught our attention. It's the Sports Corner. Not the Sports Corner. Listen to me. I got, I'm got. i hosting two shows today, and I just listed the name of one that's not even one of the ones that I'm hosting. It's play-by-play also in the Sports Hangover on ESPN 100.3. We'll be right back after this. Teaming up to create a healthier community, Coastal Broadcasting and Thibodeau Regional Medical Center present Health Watch. One injury that is sure to interrupt participation in athletic activity is injury to the anterior cruciate ligament. This is commonly known as an ACL tear. The ACL is considered the athletic ligament of the knee. It functions to resist anterior tibial translation and rotational loads. Both contact and non-contact ACL injuries occur. Although non-contact, tears and ruptures are most common. A cut and plant movement is the typical mechanism that causes an ACL tear. That being a sudden change in direction or speed with the foot firmly planted. Rapid deceleration moments, including those that involve planting the affected leg to cut and change direction, have also been linked to ACL injuries. As well as landing from a jump, pivoting, twisting, and direct impact to the front of the tibia. Female athletes are more susceptible to ACL injuries due to biomechanical factors. So coaches of female athletes especially should incorporate ACL prevention exercises into workout routines. Prevention programs should be started in the off-season, well before the playing season begins. Always warm up before playing. It is important to get blood circulating to the muscles before starting a game or practice. Being flexible enough to move freely can help you maintain ideal form. Include stretches for your thighs, calves, and hips, and pay particular attention to any areas that are especially tight. Develop body awareness through strengthening the hips, core, and thighs. A variety of squats and lunges are a couple of exercises that can build strength. Using proper technique is crucial. Develop body awareness through balance. Many injuries occur when an athlete is off balance. Like anything, balance gets better with practice. Begin with sturdy surfaces and advance to uneven footing. Run to a line or cone, plant your outside foot without letting your knee collapse inward to change direction. Move in patterns that take you front to back, side to side, and diagonally. Start by running slowly so you can concentrate on good position. Always jump, land, stop, and move with your knees directly over your feet. Begin by jumping straight upward several times. Spring up, then land with your feet and knees pointing straight ahead. Careful not to let your knees buckle inward. Let your knees bend softly each time you land. Practice proper landing technique until it becomes second nature. Keep your knees bent, your chest high, your glutes back, and land softly. Remember, quality workouts are the key to keeping you safely in the game. Adequate sleep, rest days, and alternating hard workouts with easier workouts are all important strategies to help reduce your risk of injury and make you a strong, powerful athlete. If you have questions about injury prevention strategies, please contact us at the Sports Medicine Center of Thibodeau Regional at 985-493-4502-493-4502 or www.thibodeau.com, www.thibodeau.com. 
Health Watch is a presentation of Coastal Broadcasting and Thibodeau Regional Medical Center. For more information on the Sports Medicine Center of Thibodeau Regional, call 985-493-4502 or visit Thibodeau.com. Play until one, and also the sports hangover until three on ESPN 100.3. Casey just there here filling in for Gus Catengill, who's getting some vitamin D on the beach, enjoying his time out in the sandy shores. We're going to be filling in for the G Cat, who'll be back on Monday. <clears throat> Casey just there here. Um, we're going to be talking some LSU football. We're not we're not going to get Kenny Lacey, but he he didn't reply to the text. Um, talking some LSU football here in this segment of the show. Tigers opened up camp yesterday, uh, indoors because of the, the rainy conditions, um, in Baton Rouge. Some interesting no- notes and tidbits that I'd like to talk about here in this, you know, segment of the show is <clears throat> Brian Kelly said it was a good first day, uh, which, you know, he's obligated to say, right? Like there's never been a coach who gets up there at the podium after the first day of practice and says, yeah, we're going to be awful. We're going to lose every game this year. No, they don't say that. He said, I'm really proud of the way they were focused on what we asked them to do. It's understanding the technical and tactical aspects of practice. That's what we are trying to do. We're trying to lay down the programming so when we get to Florida State, just press play and play fast. They did a nice job today. Now, Kelly kind of joked with reporters and said, hey, we haven't made a decision about the quarterbacks, so don't ask us about them. Of course, they were asked. he was asked heavily about the quarterbacks throughout his opening press conference. Now, an interesting thing to note, and this is a little something that is starting to pick up a little bit of steam here. By all accounts, Garrett Nussmeyer is having a ridiculously good offseason. Had a great spring, has really blossomed, has really grown. And he, not Miles Brennan, not Jaden Daniels, Nussmeyer was the player who took the first snap with the first team offense at the first practice. And by according to reports, threw the ball well, looked impressive, looked sharp, looked accurate. Jaden Daniels and Miles Brennan, Walker Howard also took time with the ones and split time with the twos or whatever it may be. I think LSU is in a unique situation this fall. And I don't know if it's going to end up being a good thing or a bad thing or maybe a little bit of both at times. There have been a lot of LSU teams in years past, like immediate past, like not even, we're talking just like right before the Burrow era that have had multiple options at quarterback and they all stunk. <laughs> they would, you know, maybe Les Miles would open up camp and say, yeah, we got a battle between these two guys brewing at camp. And as a fan, you didn't feel good about any of the options. As a fan, you're wondering and sitting there saying, you know, I don't know that I'm crazy about any of these folks right here, to be honest with you. Right now, it's a different situation. I don't think that Walker Howard could start as a true freshman at LSU and have great levels of success. But I do think that Garrett Nussmeyer can. He's a freshman from Lake Charles, saw a little bit of time last year, got bigger, faster, stronger. I certainly think that Miles Brennan can. He's like a six-year senior. Man's going to be 23, 24 years old facing 18-year-olds. I hope he would have some success. Jaden Daniels, the transfer from California, he's fast. He could run. He could get out of trouble. I think he will have some success. 
So instead of, and what I'm getting at is in years past, I think that the less miles teams would just be picking the option that was the least bad of all of them, right? I think Brian Kelly's in a different situation. I think he's going to actually be picking who's the best option, the guy who's got the most abilities to actually help the team, as opposed to back in the day when you were picking the option that you felt like was least likely to hurt the team. And I think that's a big difference. I think that's a big difference. Like against Florida State, no matter who it's going to be that wins this job, and I tend to still think it's going to be Miles Brennan, but no matter who it is that wins the job, it's going to be a guy who I think is going to come in and play well. Like I'm not expecting LSU's quarterback to be 10 of 26 with 104 yards passing against Florida State. I'm expecting them to be able to throw the ball down the field, hit the short routes, be accurate in the intermediate, and every once in a while hit one down the field. That's what I'm expecting. And I think all these guys are capable of doing that. The receiving core for LSU was talked very highly of yesterday at camp. Brian Thomas, uh, Jare Jenkins, uh, Kayshawn Butte. They were without Jack Besh yesterday. But LSU's got talent up and down the depth chart, man. <laughs> at the wide receiver position, there's no shards. We had Mike Scarborough on uh, last week, last Saturday. And we asked him out about... Uh, Kyron Lacey, the transfer from Louisiana Lafayette. Big guy, you know, thick, he's physical, all this good stuff. Mike was very open in saying, you know, hey, I, it's nothing against Kyron, but it's going to be hard to get sustained playing time because LSU has so many wide receivers on their roster that are either experienced or, you know, have success or are extremely talented. There are going to be no shortage of weapons for the Tigers to throw the football to. I think one of the keys to the season for LSU is going to be in the backfield. We have heard so much about John Emery in the course of his career. So much. And we've seen some flashes. He had that big, long, crazy good run against Alabama a couple years back. We see some of the videos of some things that he does in practice or whatever it may be. You know, breaking people's ankles and spin moves and all the different stuff. Heck, in the LSU bio for John Emery, it says... Explosive play with breakaway speed. He won't get caught from behind. If he gets into open speed or an open space, you know, in the middle of the field, it's over with. He's going to score a touchdown. We've heard and seen so much in small, short flashes. He missed last season because of whatever you want to believe. Academic issue. I don't know what did or didn't happen. I don't know whose fault it was or wasn't. Uh, you hear all these different rumors and gossip. I, I, I don't know what happened. I'm not going to speculate. You hear all kinds of theories. Now it's his senior season. He's 5'11", 220. It's time for Emory to become a true difference-making LSU SEC running back. If he has a great season, I don't see any way that the LSU offense isn't explosive. Unless if the offensive line is just absolutely terrible. If he has a great season, I think it's going to open up the passing game, make things easier for those quarterbacks. If he has a great season, I think that LSU could potentially also have a great season. So that, that was some news and notes from, from LSU Campbell. Let's kind of dig more deeply into that. We said Jack Best didn't practice riding a stationary bike. He's having some shin splint issues. He's going to be back soon. The offensive line group, Emory Jones, uh, Fitzgerald West and Bo Bordelon. Uh, were three guys who were lauded as looking very good. All three were true freshmen, so LSU might be really, really young on the offensive line. Will Campbell, of course, the big-bodied five-star offensive lineman, uh, practiced well. The Tigers also 
We're breaking in Cameron Wire, Cardell Thomas, Charles Turner, Xavier Hero, Garrett Dellinger, Anthony Bradford, and Marlon Martinez are all guys that are uh, going to have the opportunity to potentially play. Brian Kelly did say after yesterday's practice that the starting five offensive line would be decided within the next two and a half weeks so that they could work together and build some chemistry before Florida State. One guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing this upcoming season is a true freshman, right? Very rarely do true freshmen have huge impacts, right? They may play a little bit. They may have some splashes and some moments here and there. But rarely do they make like a big impact. I think LSU is going to have a true freshman this year who's going to make a huge impact. I think number 10, linebacker Harold Perkins is going to be a dynamite weapon for LSU. He was the number four player in the entire country in the last recruiting class. Top linebacker in the country. Consensus five-star prospect. He was a Texas A&M commitment for a long time. And even you know through signing day, LSU got him late in the process. Brian Kelly and the staff wooed him over late in the process. 6'2", 220, runs like a gazelle. He's built like Hercules, big and strong. If he hits you, you're going down. I think Harold Perkins, if he could adjust to the speed of play at the SEC level, he's going to be a guy who could have a huge impact in the upcoming year. (laughs) Brian Kelly talks very favorably of this young man, and I think that he's going to be in a position to really soar. The LSU schedule is interesting to me. I think so much of college football is dependent on how your schedule is set up. I truly believe, to, and I, I'll say this to this day, Ed Ogeron got fired because after LSU lost the opener last year against UCLA, team just gave up on him. Right out of the gate, the first week of the season, the, you knew, hey, there's some big trouble here. And the team didn't play well as a result after that. And there were some big, big problems that developed in that first game of the year. I think that LSU's schedule this year is much more favorable and it's setting up for the team to maybe get a little bit of early momentum, maybe start to buy in and get that snowball rolling down the field. If you beat Florida State, which you should do, it's in the Dome. Florida State's not any good. They're not what they used to be. You're in the Dome. That's a home game. You should beat them. You're then playing Southern. Give me a break. You're going to beat them by 70. Then you're playing Mississippi State in Tiger Stadium. That's a home game. On the road, I'd be a little more concerned, right? That's a 50-50 game on the road. At home, that's a 65-35 in terms of you're going to have a 65% chance to win that one. I like your odds there. Then you're playing New Mexico. Another cupcake game. You're going to win easily. Then you're at Auburn. Auburn's quarterback got arrested yesterday. Their coach almost got fired in the offseason. Auburn is a burning dumpster of trash right now. They're a mess. LSU should be able to go on the road and take care of them. I Who's going to be on the field? Who's not going to be on the field? Who's going to be coaching? Who's not going to be coaching? Who knows at this point for Auburn? So if you take care of what you're supposed to take care of in the first month of the season, you're 5-0. and And then where everybody's being pessimistic and saying, oh, 8-4, and 7-5, and if you're 5-0 and right out of the gate, guess what? Everybody's fired up. Everybody's roaring. Everybody's screaming that Brian Kelly's the bee's knees and the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then everybody starts believing a little bit. And then who knows what might happen the rest of the year? Who knows? LSU won the national championship in 2003. Nobody thought that team was going to be that good. And I'm not trying to tell you that LSU is going to win the national championship. That's not what I'm saying. I am just saying that if it, just because everybody's saying seven and five or eight and four doesn't mean that it can't be 10 and two if this team gets some early season momentum. That's all I'm saying. And I think that this is a team that the way the schedule shakes out, if they do what they're capable of doing and play well in some of those early season games, 
you could be in position to make a little bit of a run. It's play-by-play slash the sports hangover here on ESPN 100.3. A reminder, tomorrow join us at Rouse's in Golden Meadow from 10 to noon. We'll be broadcasting the Sports Corner presented by Terrebonne General Health System, Stan Gravois, and myself. Also, we'll be at the bourbon tasting event over at Rouse's. We'll be having a good time. Come pass a good time with us. And uh, we'll be talking some sports and having a good time. We'll be right back after this. I'll be making my weekend predictions here on ESPN 100.3. And I will drag you down and sell you out. Run away. I'm cold like RTC, Etel, and Vision have always led the way in communications. A network built for every possibility. Internet, TV, voice, and security. And now we're moving faster than ever before, propelling us forward into the future. That's what we call revolution. And the revolution is closer than you think. RTC, Etel, and Vision are now Rev. New name, same company. Learn more at letsrev.com. Energize your business with Bayou Black Electric Supply in Homa. When you're elbow deep in a job, the last thing you need is to lose time and money fetching electrical supplies. Bayou Black Electric will deliver your items to the job site. There's daily scheduled service throughout South Louisiana, Lafouche, Terrebonne, Morgan City, New Iberia, and Lafayette. Plus, the river parishes, too. If you need parts, call Bayou Black Electric Supply. 985-223-8807. Highway 311 in Homa. Did you or your loved ones go without this hurricane season? Well, this year, go with Industrial Power Systems, your only local power generation professional, serving Lafouche for over 18 years. We offer sales, service, installation, and maintenance on all major brands of residential, commercial, industrial, and marine generators for the most trusted brands in the industry. Generac, Kohler, Briggs & Stratton, Cummins Onan, and many more. Industrial Power Systems, power is our middle name. Call us today at 632-1692 or come see us on the back road in Galliano. Set yourself up for success when planning your next event. Whether it be a festival, Mardi Gras rodeo, or outdoor music venue, Joe Septic Contractors knows that it's important to cover your bases well before the days of your event. Joe's Septic Contractors can supply 1810 three and two stall restroom air conditioned trailers anytime, anywhere, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Planning an event? Visit Joe Septic at bizcom.net with locations in Cutoff, Thibodeau, Fushaw, Abbeville, and Reserve. Balance. You may know what that word means, but can you apply its meaning to your body? You see, it's all about the brain. At Upper Cervical Family Chiropractic, doctors work to locate and remove any nerve interference so your brain can communicate clearly with your body and help you correctly heal quicker. Located in Lakeview and West Harrison, Dr. Josh Roulette and his team at UCFC utilize a number of therapies to make your road to pain relief, recovery, and total body wellness efficient and effective. Go to ucfamilychiropractic.com for more information. Educate yourself on your body and let us get you back to balance. And welcome back to Play by Play and also the Sports Hangover here on ESPN 100.3. At 1 o'clock, we'll be shifting all the way to some New Orleans talk. I'll talk about Saints camp and everything in the sport, or everything of the sort, rather. We've got Rafael Esparza at 115, Richard Fisher 130. Then we've got Marlon Favorite at 215, Leo Haggerty at 230. We'll be chatting about all things black and gold, all things NFL, maybe even a little more purple and gold as well. Every Friday here on Play by Play, I give my weekend predictions. I give some things that I expect to see 
in the next couple of days. Um, so I'll lead off right out of the gate, and I will tell you guys that I am expecting, this is my first official weekend prediction, I think that Shelton Sampson Jr., the five-star wide receiver from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, is going to become an LSU Tiger. I know his recruit. He's making his decision tomorrow. I know his recruitment has become a very hot button, hot bed topic. People are speculating and guessing and wondering, oh, where is he going to go? Where is he not going to go? I don't have any inside information. This is just a hunch. This is just a gut feeling. LSU has laid out the full court press for Shelton Sampson in recent weeks. I just get the feeling that LSU is going to be the school that's going to get their hat raised or whatever you want to, I don't know, however he's going to decide. And I think the Tiger fans are going to be happy because they're going to get the first huge domino piece in Brian Kelly's recruiting class. Because LSU's recruiting class so far is pretty good. Pretty good. Not great, pretty good. They've got 17 commitments there in the top 10, but there's not, you know, a lot of solid players, a lot of high-end three-star, four-star, a lot of substance there. But they don't have that one building block guy that you could say, all right, that's the dude of this class. He's going to come in as a freshman. He's going to make a big impact. Shelton Sampson could potentially be that guy, and I think that he's going to pledge for LSU and be a part of Brian Kelly's next group, which I think would certainly be a huge coup to the Tigers as they're trying to build some things back up. That would be great news for Brian Kelly and LSU. The next weekend prediction that I'm going to make here, um, I think that we're going to see the Mets, and this this pains me to say, this gives me indigestion. I need some Tums, some Rolade, something. I think the Mets are going to beat up on my Braves this weekend. They beat up on them yesterday in the first game of the five-game series with Atlanta out in New York. I think it's going to just keep happening. I love my Braves, man. That's my favorite team in MLB. The Mets are just a better team than they are. They pitch it better. They get more timely hits. A lot of Braves fans like to say, oh, it's luck. You know, It's a lot of soft contact, bloop singles. Putting the ball in play is not luck. That's a stupid argument. The Mets are a better team than the Braves are this season. They've now got a a four-and-a-half game lead in the division. Atlanta's throwing Ian Anderson today, who's terrible. So the Mets are likely going to win that one as well. Um, I I just don't see it. I think that the Mets are going to win. Lay the groundwork to taking control of the division. Atlanta's going to still make the playoffs and, you know, earn the wild card. All is not lost by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that the Mets are going to put it on them pretty good and, um, grab control of the division in a big, big way. The next weekend prediction that I have, I think that the conversation is going to be hot and heavy over the weekend against Deshaun Watson as more and more people are jumping on board and piling onto the idea that Watson should get more than a six-game suspension for what he allegedly did or didn't do to those women in those massage parlors. It is absolutely ridiculous that the way the NFL has handled this, Watson is currently in line to get a lesser suspension than folks who have been suspended for smoking a joint. Deshaun Watson allegedly violated sexually 25 women. 2-5, 25 women. And he's only in line to be suspended for six games? The NFL is pushing for an indefinite suspension, which would basically mean, hey, at at least a season. I feel like that's more reasonable. We see guys um, in the NFL. Here's a great example. Calvin Ridley of the Atlanta Falcons was injured, was not in the lineup, 
went to a sports casino where sports betting was legal while not with the team and betted on the Atlanta Falcons to win. His own team. He betted on his own team to win while injured and not with the team. He got suspended for a year for that. But Deshaun Watson's doing naughty things to women in massage parlors in numbers of 25 and only gets six games. Something ain't right about that, y'all. The NFL's stepping in. They're trying to make it right. And I think the conversation is going to continue to soar, continue to get uh, more heated as we see that take, uh, that take place. Now, conversely to that, as that conversation starts to get more heated, I think, and this is another weekend prediction, I think the Cleveland Browns are going to start having conversations about going get them a quarterback. The Browns have a good enough roster, and they can make some noise. You got great running core, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. You got good receivers, you know, Mari Cooper and, you know, Peoples Jones. You got a good tight end, David Joku, Harrison Bryant. Like, you got weapons there. You got a good defense. Miles Garrett, Davian Clowney, Denzel Ward, Grant Delpit. Like, you got weapons. You got a roster that you could potentially make some noise with. You can't start the season with Jacoby Brissett under center and have anybody take you seriously. Does it mean that they make a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? That's where I would lean. I also wouldn't be opposed to trying to make a trade for Gardner Minshew, who's on, who's in Philadelphia. I think Gardner Minshew's the best quarterback in Philadelphia. I don't think Jalen Hurts is worth the rip, but for whatever reason, the Eagles think that he's worthwhile, and they play him over Minshew. I think that if Minshew becomes available, he should be a guy that a lot of teams around the NFL should want. He's a young guy who has had success playing for bad teams. Minshew's never been on a good team, but for his career, he's got 41 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Like, what are we doing? Why are we missing the mark on this guy? Why are we refusing to play this guy? I don't get it. So that's a weekend prediction that we're looking to see there. Another one, and this goes in the world of professional wrestling for those who are on our ESPN New Orleans side of things that aren't regular listeners to play-by-play. We talk a whole lot of wrestling here. I think SmackDown tonight on Fox is going to pop a ratings number that is going to be absolutely huge. Monday Night Raw drew 2.3 million viewers on Monday. That's up from about 1.7 or 1.8 on any given Monday. Fans are interested in the product right now. Coming off of SummerSlam, they like what they're seeing after not watching for a while when Vince McMahon was in charge. There are some good stories being told. Fox is an easy network to watch because it's not a cable network. You could have rabbit ears and you could still catch it. I think tonight WWE is going to post a huge SmackDown number. 2-5, 2-6, big, big, big ratings number. And they're going to continue their momentum going forward. Here's another one. A few more and then we'll get out of here. Going back to Major League Baseball. I think that this is going to be a weekend where we see the San Diego Padres really begin to flex their muscles. They're facing the Dodgers on the road in L.A., an opportunity to showcase themselves as a legitimate contender in the National League. They're facing a Dodgers team that, frankly, has owned them in recent years, and so far this season has won five of the seven games that they played. And of those Dodger wins, every single one of them has been by multi-run. 6-1, to 10-2, to 3-1, 5-1, and 7-2. The Dodgers have not just beat the Padres, they've beat the hell out of the Padres in their meetings this season. But I think this is the weekend that San Diego fights back. 
<clears throat> this weekend is amongst the reasons why you make the trades that they make. Getting <clears throat> Josh Bell and Juan Soto and all the guys that they've accumulated. It's so that you could go on the road, look the big boy in the eye and say, hey, I ain't scared of you anymore. I could play with you now. I have a team that's as good as yours now, and I think the Padres are going to put themselves in position. I think that they're going to win that series with Los, with Los Angeles. It's not going to make any difference in the standings. The Padres are still not going to win the West. The Dodgers are going to walk away with that. They've got too big of a lead. But I think it's just going to be a statement made as we approach the stretch run of the season that, hey, we're not intimidated, and if we run into you jokers during the season, or during the postseason, we're ready to go at you, and we're ready to fight back. One more prediction. Let's see what we got here. Let's go into the world of the PGA Tour. PGA Tour has been much maligned in recent weeks because of some of the things that have been happening with the Live Golf Tour and everything of the sort, but we're not going to talk about that here. We're going to talk about some actual golf on the course. Weekend prediction is this. I think that at the Wyndham Championships, which are happening right now, let's make a pick here. Let's look at the leaderboard and make a pick. I think that Billy Horschel is going to have a strong top five finish, but let me pick a winner. I'm going Ryan Moore. Ryan Moore is currently in the lead, nine under par in the tie. I'm going to pick Ryan Moore to win. And look, I'm two for two in the last couple of weeks. I picked uh, Tony Fee now both of the last two weeks to win. I like the way Ryan Moore is swinging. A lot of fairways, a lot of greens. He's putting it okay. I think that Ryan Moore is going to walk away a champion this week. John Hugh is uh, certainly another guy that's on the board. He shot a 61 yesterday, but he's on the course kind of struggling a little bit today. Let's see if I could give you another one. I think that LSU football, as they continue their preseason practices, I think Brian Kelly is going to realize right away, hey, I've got something here. I truly believe this. And maybe I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, whenever the fall starts, I'll be the first one to wear it. I'll be the first one to eat the crow. I'll be the first one to say, hey, I over-exaggerated the team. I thought with my my heart and not my head and everything of the sort, all the things that you say. I think that the rest of the country is underselling LSU this season. The Tigers were 6-6 and last year with half of a roster. By like week five or so, everybody had quit. Everybody was either in the portal or sitting out, opting out, pretending like they had injuries or faking like they were hurt. Everybody had given up on Bebe. There's some talented dudes on this team still. Mason Smith. I'm, I'm going down the roster right now. Mason Smith is a monster. Makai Garner, Todd Harris, John Emery, Jaden Daniels, Jay Ward, Mike Jones, Kayshawn Butte, Jeray Jenkins. That's just guys numbered 0 through 10 on the roster. I haven't even gotten to Ali Gay and Harold Perkins and Brian Thomas. There are some really good football players on this team. That's the thing about having Coach O as your coach is that even if things go bad on the field, you know he's going to bust his tail off of it to get you some recruits. And that when he leaves the program, there's going to be a lot of talent left in that locker room. And that's the situation that LSU's in right now is that, yeah, it's a first-year guy. And yeah, it's a transition. Yeah, Brian Kelly's coming in. There's still a lot of really good football players on this team. Micah Baskerville, um, looking up and down. Major Burns, Josh Williams, Greg Penn. There are some dudes that could really play. And this idea that this is going to somewhat be a long rebuilding process and that it's going to take three, four years. No, man, it's not. This is a team that this year could have a good year 
if the chips fall the right way. It's going to take a little bit of luck, right? LSU can't afford to have many injuries. They don't have a tremendous amount of depth, so they got to stay healthy. And also in the SEC, let's be honest, you're going to need to get lucky in some games. You're going to need a team to miss a field goal here or there. You're going to need to recover a fumble here or there, force a turnover, run a punt back. All these little fluky things, you need a few of them to go your way. But if that happens, this is a team that could shock a lot of people and that could do a lot of damage. So those are our weekend predictions. Let's catch a break when we get back. I'll make some betting picks. We'll go over the headlines, and then we'll flip the script completely and get over to the Sports Hangover side. It's play-by-play with the Sports Hangover on ESPN 100.3. You can taste some of Kentucky's rarest and most sought-after bourbons this Saturday at Rouse's Market's Bourbon Pop-Up. Rouse's Markets is pouring rare and hard-to-find bourbons at their Golden Meadows store this Saturday, August 6th, from 10 to 12, or the bourbons run out. That's this Saturday at Rouse's Markets in Golden Meadow, 10 to 12. Whether you're a bourbon enthusiast or just getting into the bourbon game, you'll be pappy at Rouse's Bourbon Pop-Up in Golden Meadow. Some people just have a knack for being there when you need them the most. Like your third grade classmate who sticks up for you against that bully. The neighbor who gives you a jump start. And the friend who chases away that flock of geese at your outdoor wedding. Your state farm agent has your back too. Your good times and the not so good. And who's got your agents back? State Farm, the company people have trusted for more than 90 years. We're here to help life go right. Call state farm agent Ashley Barrios and cut off today at 985-632-0988. Oorah! I am Wilbur Lewis, a Vietnam veteran. With the help of some generous donors, I'm trying to get our local veterans together, along with their wives, for a Veterans Day dinner at the VFW Hall in La Rose on November the 12th at 6.30 p.m. If I have not contacted you yet and you are interested in attending the dinner, please text me your name and phone number and the branch of service, 985-637-3849, 637-3849. Hoorah! Thank you. There are seven of us. That's right, seven. I'm Addie Ramsey. I'm Wesley Ramsey Jr. I'm Caroline Ramsey. And I'm her brother, Jackson. I'm Julia Ramsey. And I'm Roberta Wyatt. And now I'm pointing at our sister, Emmeline, because she's only one year old and she can't talk yet. Wave at the nice people, Emmeline. She's waving at you. Let's all clap for baby Emmeline. Our great-grandfather, Bob Ramsey, taught our grandfather. That's Robert Ramsey. And our great-aunt, Lori. That's his sister. How to make people happy. And now our fathers, Bobby and Wes, are teaching us how to make people happy, too. Because that's what Ramseys do. That's what Ramseys do. That's what Ramseys do. We make people happy. That's what we do. Look, everybody, Emmeline's waving again. Ramsey's Diamond Jewelers is the largest diamond store in Louisiana on veterans between Bonneville and West End in Metairie. One more segment of play-by-play and then we shift the gears entirely to go to the sports hangover case just for here. I want to thank Colin Mathern and Chandler Kitros for their time here on this part of the show. I want to thank also everybody for listening, in addition to our sponsors who allow us to be here. 
it warms my heart seeing this sheet grow, man, because about, oh, a year ago, we started laying the groundwork of, hey, what if we did a five-day-a-week midday sports talk show? And we were wondering, hey, could we make it work? Could we sell it? Uh, kudos to our team here because they have made this happen in a big way. Southland Dodge and Homa, industrial power systems for all your engine and generator needs because power is our middle name. <laughs> Do friend building materials got you covered for all your roofing needs. Buzz off the only all-natural mosquito control professionals providing guaranteed results. Rouse's Markets feels like home. And Golden Motors, where price is priority, proudly supporting South Lafouche Athletics and community youth sports organizations. A reminder, join us tomorrow, 10 o'clock, for the Sports Corner, presented by Terrebonne General Health System with Stan Gravois and myself, for the latest in local high school, college, and professional sports from your local sports experts. Presented by Terrebonne General Health System, but sponsored by State Bank and Trust Company. Tomorrow, we're live at the Bourbon Tasting Pop-Up. Tomorrow from 10 to 12 at Rouse's. Be sipping on Pappy Van Winkle from 10 to 12 while supplies last over at Rouse's. We'll be chatting sports and having a great time. We certainly invite you all to come hang out with us and pass a good time. Um, in the sports hangover part of the show, we're going to have Rafael Esparza at 115. My pal Richard Fisher will join us for a half hour from 130 to 2. Marlon Favorite at 2.15, Leo Haggard at 2.30. So a lot of call-in guests will be joining us throughout the next two hours of the show. Here, very quickly, a couple of headlines and some betting picks, and we'll get out of here. The first betting pick that I got for you today, and I mentioned it, I kind of teased it earlier in the show. I like the New York Mets to beat the Atlanta Braves today, covering the minus 140 money line. The Mets are throwing Tawan Walker, who's been excellent this season with a 2.79 ERA. They're at home. I often say, um, and we talk about uh, sports betting often on my show here, I often say the three keys to a successful bet in baseball are, do you have the home team? In this case, check. Yes, we do. The Mets are the home team. Do you have the better team? In this case, the Mets are 67 and 38. The Braves are 63 and 43. Check. We have the better team. Do you have the better pitcher? Tawan Walker has a 2.79 ERA. Ian Anderson has a 5 ERA. Check. We decisively have the better pitcher. All three check marks point in favor of the Mets. I think the Mets are going to defend their home field and take care of business and beat Atlanta today at a good price, minus 140. Another one that I like today is, let's see, let's go with this one right here. I like the Phillies to defeat the Washington Nationals today and go um, over, or excuse me, not over, Cover the run line, minus a run and a half. Kyle Gibson is throwing for the Phillies, who have been playing some good ball lately. They're nine games above five hundred. They're taking on Washington, who sold all of their pieces at the trade deadline. The Nationals are a triple-A team for the rest of the season, folks. They're firmly um, just planting their seeds for next year. They have no interest in winning the rest of the season. Uh, the Nationals are 36-71. and 71. They're throwing Josiah Gray, who's actually not been bad. Um, but I just don't think the Nationals have enough offense to get anything accomplished against Philadelphia today. Then the last one, I'm going to go with the Padres today, not to win, but to cover the run line plus one and a half against the Dodgers today. They're facing Tony Gonsolin, who's 12 and one. Gonsolin has been really good this year. 2.41 ERA, 12 and one record overall. He's been phenomenal, but, and there's a but here. His last few starts, he hasn't been great. You look at the last few starts for Gonsolin. He faces the Cardinals on July 13th, got hammered. Five runs allowed in five innings. 
goes to the All-Star game, gets hammered, gives up two home runs in one inning, then faces the Nationals, gets hammered, four runs allowed in six innings. His last start against Colorado, three runs allowed in five innings. He has not been the dominant pitcher in the last three weeks that he was the previous two and a half months. And because of that, I think the Padres with Sean Manea throwing today are going to cover the run line, which means that they're going to either win the game or lose by just one run. I like San Diego to cover that run line today against the Dodgers. So those are three picks. I like the Mets to win outright. I like the Phillies to cover the run line, and I like the Padres to cover the run line. Those are the three that we got today, and they hope it's all some winners for you all today. Now, very quickly before we wrap up the play-by-play portion of our show, just a quick comb of the headlines. Um, Matthew Stafford is having elbow pain, and it's significant enough that Rams coach Sean McVay says that it's uh, he's kind of becoming a concern. McVay said yesterday in an ESPN.com story during a press conference that it's abnormal that Matt Stafford's feeling the right elbow pain that he's currently experiencing, saying that it's similar to a pain that pitchers deal with whenever they're injured. Stafford had an elbow injury last season, received an injection in his elbow during the offseason, did not throw in the spring, said that the Rams, or McVay said the Rams are being smart with Stafford and are going to ease him back into action. If Matt Stafford's not 100%, the Rams are cooked right out of the gate. That's why the NFL is such a, a unique thing because I could sit up here and do all this crazy stuff and make all these predictions, and we're going to talk a whole lot about the Saints in the next two hours of the show in case anybody in New Orleans is wondering why we're talking about the Rams. But you can make all these predictions of, oh, I think the Bengals are going to do this. I think that you know Tampa Bay is going to do that, and I like Green Bay, and I like Dallas. Well, guess what? If Burrow, Rodgers, Brady, or Prescott get hurt, your ass is in a crack, and neither of those teams are going to do anything. It's such a quarterback-dependent league, and when you hear rumors and whispers that Matt Stafford is having elbow pain in his throwing arm, don't mean to sound the sirens or the alarms just yet, but it is early. There is time for this to heal and to get better, but that's a troubling sign for Los Angeles. That's not a good injury that you want your quarterback to have. And actually, I'm seeing Mike Tannenbaum on ESPN.com saying Stafford's elbow injury is, quote, a real concern for the Rams as they approach the season, as well it should be. If he's not available and you're starting John Wolford, who's their backup quarterback, you're in trouble. No disrespect to John Wolford, who's 26. He played for Wake Forest. This is his third season. But, homie, you ain't Matt Stafford. You're not going to be able to have the same level of success, and you're not winning the Super Bowl with John Wolford under center like you would with a Matt Stafford in the lineup. So this is a big concern for Los Angeles. They've got to get that injury healed. They've got to get that injury right. Another headline, the, let's see, what's the title? United States Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said that the nine-year prison sentence given to WNBA star Brittany Griner compounds the injustice she has gone through in Russia since her arrest earlier this year. Blinken said it puts a spotlight on our very significant term with Russia's legal system and the Russian government's use of wrongful detentions to advance its own agenda using individuals as political pawns. Trying to think of a way to say this without angering too many people. You know going in, they've got their own set of laws, their own set of rules. 
you know going in, they're very intolerant to certain things. And drug use is one of those things. You know that going in. You have two options if you're Brittany Griner. A, don't go, stay in the United States and play only here in the mainland. Or B, go there and be clean. She chose to go there and not be clean. And look, I don't think you should get a nine-year prison sentence for doing marijuana. I don't think that. But guess what? The Russians do think that. And you're on their turf now, doing things that are breaking their laws. Go to Iraq or Afghanistan and break a law. You know what happens? They cut your head off. You know, or they do something really inhumane to you. And I'm not saying that that's the way of the world. And that's not, not saying that's the way it should be. But Brittany Griner does have some responsibility in this happening. But she's the one who chose to do something illegal in another land. It's an unfortunate situation. But we as a country have to be very careful with how we proceed here. But some of the reported prison swaps and everything, and I'm not going to get too political. We're up against a break. But some of the reported prisoner swaps and everything are things that could potentially make the world a more unsafe place. We're at a very slippery slope right now. We're approaching some very thin ice with this whole situation. It's incredibly unfortunate, but it's also something that could potentially be very dangerous if we don't handle it the right way. It's play-by-play. We're wrapping up right here. Also going to dive into the sports hangover. When we get back, I'll be talking about Saints camp. A lot going on on ESPN New Orleans. We'll be right back after this talking some New Orleans Saints. I'm like the water when you sip rolling that night. Rough on the surface, but you cut through like a knife. And if it was an open shut Make this the summer event at Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat and Homa. Not only can you get a great deal on a Ram, but you can see their impressive lineup of new commercial trucks and vans. Southland Dodge has the perfect vehicle for your business with Ram's long-lasting new pickups or their efficient new Ram work vans. Choosing the right ones should be easy. Get more for your business with a new Ram truck or van at Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, 6161 West Park Avenue in Homa. Here for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The other day, my friend said he saw a mosquito the size of a pool dew out near Dulac. Now, he may be exaggerating, but mosquitoes are back and swarming up and down the bayou. If you need help with mosquito control, call Terminex and the Bayou Boys, Dan and Billy Foster. They have a number of ways to protect you from those blood-sucking mosquitoes. So whether you live up the bayou or down the bayou, Terminex is here for you. So call those Bayou Boys. They'll get you, get you Terminex tough. Lady of the Sea Community Pharmacy staff are trained in finding the lowest cost available on your medication. Stop by with your prescriptions or medicine bottles and let one of us review your options with you. With two convenient locations to serve you, we're located in Rouse's Supermarket, Highway 3235 in La Rose, or at Lady of the Sea Medical Clinic in Cutoff. Our staff available Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Saturdays 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. We treat you like family at Lady of the Sea. You're listening to ESPN 100.3 FM, KLRZ, La Rose, New Orleans, and the River Region. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Sports Hangover. Saddle up for a tall glass of sports talk. Here's the Sports Hangover with Gus Katengel. Not Gus Katengel, it is Casey Jisclair, pinch hitting for the G-Cat, who will be back on Monday, I promise you. He is out on the beach enjoying some well-deserved R&R. 
We're going to be here for the next two hours, as we've been for the previous 90 minutes here, as we were closing down my show, play-by-play, and now opening up the sports hangover. We've got a fun next two hours to chit-chat with a lot of folks. We've got Rafael Esparza in the next segment of the show at 115. We've got Richard Fisher at 130. Marlon Favorite at 215. Leo Haggerty at 230. We'll be chatting about a lot of different stuff going on in the world of the NFL and college football and everything in between. Talk some Saints camp in this segment of the show. But first, <clears throat> there was some NFL football played last night, if you want to call it that. The Hall of Fame game took place in Canton, Ohio, the Las Vegas Raiders. It's still weird for me. Do you guys do that? How long does it take? And this is a good, this is a good question, I guess, you know, to ponder or chew on if you're at work or driving through the city or whatever it may be. How long does it take when a sports team changes its name? or changes its uniform, or relocates to another city. How long does it take for you to have that fully sink in? It takes me a long time. Like I still want to call them the, the Oakland Raiders. I I still want to call the Cleveland Guardians the Cleveland Indians. I, I still am going to, at times, call them the Washington Redskins and not the Commanders. It's not malicious. It's not me trying to be you know, racist or whatever. It's not me wanting to use the old name. It's just a habit. I mean, you do it your whole life. It takes forever to adjust. It's just a habit. For me, old habits die hard and it takes me forever. I still want to call them the Oakland Raiders, even though they're in Las Vegas, but they beat Jacksonville 27 to 11 last night. Jared Stidham, formerly of Auburn, uh, had a nice day at quarterback, eight of 15. Well, who am I kidding? I'm not breaking down stats of the Hall of Fame game. Come on, let's get that, not get carried away here. Let's talk some Saints camp. I just wanted to let you guys know that the preseason was officially underway. New Orleans has had an eventful week of camp. Um, you got the situation with the rookie, Trevor Penning, who's fighting everything that moves at camp and getting thrown out of camp and having skirmishes and everything of the sort. Can't wait to see him play in the first preseason game, see if you know we could keep him on the field. Uh, first preseason game for New Orleans, by the way, is going to be not tomorrow, but the following Saturday, so eight days from now. Then you also get the return of Teron Matthew, who said that the Saints were highly supportive of him, and also his teammates were highly supportive of him as he took about a one-week sabbatical to start camp to deal with a personal issue. Matthew said that it was tough to miss the start of camp, but he was where he needed to be when the time was right, and now he's back with New Orleans. Um, I really think that the Saints are in a unique situation. And I talked about this on Wednesday whenever I was pinch hitting for Gus with Ralph um, Arbro and a couple of the other guys that we had on. I could see this, and I think it's, it's similar to LSU in a way too, right? Can't you see a situation where the Saints stay healthy? Alvin Kamara's court date maybe gets pushed back and then maybe pushed back even again and things continue to get delayed. He gets the whole season in without delay. Michael Thomas stays healthy. Jarvis Landry plays well. The rookie receiver plays well. The offensive line holds up. There's a situation there where you could see New Orleans far out, you know, far outpacing the projections for them. Having an 11 or 12 win season, maybe even taking the NFC South if certain things go their way and making a little push. You could see that. Like if you told me right now, New Orleans would be 12 and five or 11 and six, I wouldn't laugh at that. I wouldn't say, man, no, you're crazy, dude. Like 
If you say that about the Jets, we're laughing and we're thinking you're crazy. But New Orleans isn't in that situation. If you told me they'd be 12-5, and five, I would say, all right, that's reasonable. On the flip side to that, if you told me, hey, Casey, Winston's going to struggle, be rusty, he's going to battle the ACL throughout the course of the year, maybe get banged up a little more, Andy Dalton has to play here or there, Kamara gets suspended for the six games, Michael Thomas struggles to get open as, you know, he's a couple years older and still battling the injuries. Maybe Andy Dalton, who's now in the lineup, as remember we said Jameis Winston missed a little time, can't get him the ball. The rookie struggles with physical coverage. The offensive line sustains some injuries. Defense is another year older struggles at times. I could see a world where the team is 6-11 and 11 or 7-10. and 10. So tell, listen to what I'm telling you here. If they win 12, and my hands are pointed way up in the air right now, if they win 12 and are near the top of the mountain, you're you're cooking with grease. You're looking great right now. You win 6 or 7, you're near the bottom. My hands are low right now. They're, they're low. There's a big, big piece of middle ground between where my top hand is and my bottom hand is. The truth is going to be somewhere in the middle, y'all. Is it going to be closer to the top? Is it going to be closer to the bottom? I don't know, but we're going to find out early with New Orleans. Was one of the keys to this team's season is having success in the first month of the year. New Orleans opens up the year playing Tampa on the road. Tampa, uh, excuse me, playing Atlanta on the road. My bad, y'all. Atlanta on the road. Atlanta shouldn't be any good. They kind of sold off Matt Ryan, got rid of some of their veteran pieces. They shouldn't be any good. You have to win that game. Then Tampa's coming to you in the Dome. That's going to be a more difficult game, no question. But Tampa Bay is a team that you have beaten up on in recent years. For whatever reason, you got the 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 you know gris-gris on Tampa. You find out ways to beat those guys for whatever reason. Then you're playing Carolina. Does anything about Carolina really strike fear of God into anybody in New Orleans? I, it shouldn't. Christian McCaffrey, it's week three. He shouldn't be hurt yet. By that time, so he's likely to be available. Baker, Mayfield, and McCaffrey, I don't know. That Carolina team looks a little bit suspect to me. You're home against Minnesota. It's not home. It's going to be in London. But then you're playing Seattle. Those first five games, you're going to be favored in four of the five. You've got to win four of the five. If you're three and two or two and three, you're in big trouble. And you're not going to be able to withstand what comes after that, which is Cincinnati, Arizona, Las Vegas, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Tampa. That stretch after the first five games where you're playing all those teams, Burrow, Murray, Carr, Jackson, Steelers, you know, defending champion Rams, 49ers, Bucks. that's a brutal stretch before the bye week, and you better build some cushion in the first five games of the season to be able to withstand it because you're going to take some lumps in those games. You're going to have some issues in some of those games, and you better have a cushion to fall back on. I talked on Wednesday. I think one of the big keys, and it's not a surprise to anybody. You could say this about any team. Oh, I think the quarterback has to play well for them to have a chance. Duh. We need Jameis Winston to play well for New Orleans to have a great season. I I get that. But I truly believe that a, a side note to that and something that could allow Winston to maybe be in a position to succeed is going to be on the offensive line. Ralph Marbro said on Wednesday here whenever I was pinch hitting for Gus, and I, and I believe this firmly. I think it's the best point that I've heard about the Saints all week on any show, and I listened to all of them. Ralph said, I think New Orleans' first five up front are going to be okay. 
That'd be Hurst, Pete, McCoy, Ruiz, and Ramchak. Maybe Penning if Penning passes up Hurst. The issue with New Orleans' offensive line is they cannot afford a single injury because they don't have a whole lot of depth there. How often, y'all, do you go through an NFL season without having any injuries to your offensive line? These are guys who 65, 70 times a game are putting their helmet into someone else's helmet, head-to-head contact, that are getting rolled up on, they're getting twisted around, they're getting their arms broken, their legs broken. Those guys do get beat up on throughout the course of the year. So a big part, and this is where being a sports fan is also a blessing and a curse, right? Because we love looking at the rosters, we love watching the practice film, we love watching the games and breaking everything down. So much of you having success or not having success, especially in a league like the NFL, where all of the teams are pretty much the same, is having a little bit of luck. The Saints are going to have to have a little bit of luck. They're going to have to have their offensive line stay healthy, and for that to happen, you got to be lucky. you got to be lucky. It's as simple as that. Defensively, I think you're going to be okay. I don't see a scenario where New Orleans' defense isn't, at the bare minimum, very good. They could be borderline great, again, if they stay healthy, if everybody performs to their level and, and you know you get some things to break your way. They could be great. At the bare minimum, they'll be very good. The key to this season is going to be, can Penning take that left tackle job and run with it? If not, can Hurst play left tackle and be sufficient? If Penning is your left tackle, it, I think, actually helps the team because Hurst is more of a versatile player. If someone else gets injured, he could fill in at that spot. But you've got to keep those big boys healthy up front, and you got to get off to a strong start to the year. If neither of those two things happen, it's going to be a long year in New Orleans. If both of those things I talked about do happen, it's got the potential to be a great year in New Orleans. And the fact that there's so much discrepancy between the ceiling and the floor had me very excited to see how this goes. This is going to be a fun year, and I can't wait to see how it shakes itself out. Around the rest of the NFL, as we talk some black and gold here in New Orleans, we've got, you know, we make fun of Trevor Penning, who's been brawling with everybody in practice. Apparently, this is a league-wide epidemic. This 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan said after practice on Tuesday, that he's drawn the line on toughness after his players threw punches in practice. There, This leads to greater argument. Is there anything, New Orleans, in the entire sports world that is more stupid than punching someone with your unwrapped hand in their helmet? Is there anything more stupid than punching a helmet? All you're going to do is break your own hand and be out of the lineup. You're not going to injure the guy whose helmet you're punching at all because he's wearing a damn helmet. You're going to break your hand, break your finger, break your wrist, do something to put yourself out of the lineup. It irritates me to no end on Sundays whenever I see guys push and shove and then a guy will, you know, full on right hand cross to the face mask of somebody else. What are you doing? Kick him in the shin, kick, you'll knee him in the stomach. Find out another way to do something that's not going to injure yourself. So apparently it's not just a Saints thing, it's a league-wide thing. As Kyle Shanahan saying, hey, I'm drawing the line on toughness after a couple of guys, Fred Warner and Brandon Ayuk, had a pushing, shoving argument in practice that came to blows. Shanahan was very vocal and said, hey, I want everybody challenging each other. I don't care how much crap each other talks. I don't care how close they get to fighting. They could do whatever they want to themselves to be as intense as they want and bring the best out of each other, which happens a lot of the way, and it's the same on the field. But once you throw a punch, 
you get ejected or you get a penalty, and that's something we pride ourselves on. I want people to be irritants. I want people to get as close as they can to all that stuff. I want people to get right on the line where they're about to black out, but you can't black out on the football field or you cost your team. And that's where I am with Trevor Penning. It's all fun reading the headlines of, oh, he's fighting this guy, or he's doing this, he's pushing this guy, he's shoving that guy. It's all fun in practice when there are not a whole lot of officiating presence. The first time that nonsense happens in a game after a five-yard run, and instead of it being second and five, it's second and 20 because he got a penalty for clobbering somebody after the play, it ain't cute and funny anymore. It's stupid. So I love the aggression. I love the physicality. I love the fact that he likes to you know, be in the contact and be in the mix, but the team's going to have to get that under control as once it starts costing you yards and ain't cute and fuzzy anymore becomes an irritant, and it hurts your team on Sundays. It's the Sports Hangover on ESPN 100.3. We're going to Rafael Esparza out of this break on ESPN Toyota in Homa has got your summer deals. Plus, we're ready to deal on every vehicle in stock or online too at GregLeBlancToyota.com. Remember, we have the all-new Toyota Tundra, totally redesigned and ready for your summer plans. The kids are out of school, and you've got vacation plans. It's the perfect time for something new, and we want your trade, and we're paying top dollar. Greg's got the deal. South Hollywood Road in Homa. Greg LeBlanc Toyota in Homa has got your summer deals. Where opportunities are created, not waited on. That's the Dan Aus difference. I've been here for 23 years. The opportunity for advancement within Dan Aus was pretty evident early on in my career. They give you a lot of tools and training in order to learn the oil field industry. It has been an excellent ride for me. Join the team that does it different at danos.com. That's D-A-N-O-S.com. It's Gus Gell with the Sports Hangover. Join us for Thursdays with the crew of Katie's. Every Thursday, we'll be live at a member of the Katie's family of restaurants from 12 to 3. Whether it's Katie's on Iberville, Francesca's Deli on Harrison, or BN View on Hickory. Enjoy lively sports banter with delicious eats. Join us as we talk about the latest from our local teams, and you'll likely hear me argue with Scott Craig about his St. Louis Cardinals and my Chicago Cubs. Good thing he's a Brother Martin grad. Thursdays from 12 to 3 is the Sports Hangover with the crew of Katie's on ESPN New Orleans. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Only one performance a day. Now let's get this show on the road, eh? Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. This is one of the best times of the year to be a sports better. We've got Major League Baseball going on. We've got the start of college and professional football that are about to be rocking and rolling. It's The Sports Hangover here on ESPN 100.3. I'm joined now. By Las Vegas sports informer, Mr. Rafael Esparza. Rafael, what's going on, brother? Not much. What's going on with you? We're doing fine, man. Look, uh, one of the big debates that I often have with my friends is, you know, they tell me, um, hey, man, football season's here. Can't wait to bet on you know, the, the Hall of Fame game or whatever. And I'll always say, man, you guys are crazy. You guys don't know how much the quarterbacks are going to play or who's going to be on the field. Do you touch the preseason much or is that kind of a stay away? It's for me to stay away. Like you Thank said, you. we don't know who's playing. 
It's amazed me how much money came in last night in the Hall of Fame game. I watched over under two and a half minutes. I watched under of that one just because it's the Hall of Fame game. Even though the Vegas Raiders were playing, I'll give them that. But they had no interest in that. But, yeah, two-team parlays all yesterday. Raiders Raiders and over, Raiders and over. So the books lost a little bit. But for me, I stay away from preseason football. I agree with you 100%. So let's talk about this, man. I like to look at the over-under win total lines. And, you know, Vegas thinks that Buffalo and Tampa are going to be the two top winning teams. Um, I'm a little nervous about Tampa. There is some uncertainty there. You know, Brady's another year older. Gronkowski won't be in the lineup, at least we don't think. They've got a brutal schedule. What do you think, man? Do you kind of agree that Tampa under might not be a bad look? Uh, yeah, that's probably one of the biggest uh, losing profits we have right now in the future is 11 and a half, everyone but the under. In Tampa Bay, uh, what's the, they lost the right receiver today with Evans going out for hamstring injury. Versus, he always has hamstring injuries. But when you're looking at futures, we don't need any more under money for Tampa Bay at eleven and a half. So, I'm actually hoping they win twelve games. No, no disrespect to the Saints. <laughs> I understand that. Is it a situation where you know the market could potentially get flooded and send it down to eleven, or do you not see that happening? I don't see it. I think if we would have moved it already, I mean, let's face it, we're in part of the NFL season right now. Even though it's only preseason, Hall of Fame game last, last night, but this is the creme of the creme when it comes to football futures. Okay, so talk me through this, because I'm always fascinated by this. We as fans, if someone gets injured, say a wide receiver or a running back or a left guard or whatever position it may be that's not a quarterback, we freak out and we panic and we think, oh, it's the end of the world. The sky is falling. But I notice very rarely do the lines actually move a whole lot whenever there's an injury not involving a quarterback. Let's say, you know, your run of the mill starting running back goes out. How much does that actually move a line from Sunday to Sunday? A uh, running back is maybe if it's a big key running back, but normally it doesn't. Like I said, yeah. quarterback's the yeah. only one. And I would say there's probably a small handful of quarterbacks that will move a number. Uh, tremendously like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, stuff like that. But no disrespect if, if uh, Jameis went out, he wouldn't move a number like if Aaron Rodgers was out. So uh, quarterbacks are probably the biggest one. Running backs, maybe a right receiver would move at a half a point or a point depending on where the game's at, if it's at home or way weather involved. But quarterback is the creme of the creme moving points. New Orleans is a team, Raphael, with great uh, discrepancy in their lines. Some books have them eight. Some books have them nine and a half. Some books have them eight and a half. I just did a whole segment of radio talking about how I think the ceiling and the floor for New Orleans, there's a big gap between the two. They're kind of a tough team to pigeonhole this year, man. What are some of the things you guys have seen with New Orleans? Yeah, same thing. I mean, we all know as odds makers and here in Vegas, we all know the Saints are going to come out with defense. They've had defense. For years, years, your defense won that Super Bowl. Defense have won uh, that division. Their question mark is offense. How healthy is Jameis? How healthy is Thomas mentally and physically? How many suspensions are we going to see with Camara? Granted, I think he only gets a half a quarter now. If Watson only got six day six games, but <laughs> I mean that's that that's a big key. So I think their offense has the biggest, biggest question mark. We know their defense is going to be there. Uh, it's just their offense. So talk me through this, and you mentioned this, and that's a great segue to the next question I was going to ask. What the hell do you guys do with the Browns, dude? I, I I co-hosted this show on Wednesday, and I saw that there was a number posted. Uh, prior to the suspension, there wasn't. Now I look back today, and there's no longer a number posted because of the uncertainty about the NFL appeal and everything. So it's a twofold question. 
what happens with Cleveland, and then the second part is it if somebody you know laid money on a number whenever that number was posted, whenever it was just six games, will that bet be honored or will it not be honored? That bet will be honored uh, just because it's the games did not get canceled or whatever. Uh, just in case, let's we'll put it this way: let's say. Aaron Rodgers uh, blows his knee out at practice, and he's out. All those Super Bowl and total season wins, they're still honored. Yep. Those are not inquired on injuries. But with the Cleveland Browns, I almost want to downgrade them to the USFL and bring the New Orleans USFL team in that division because, <laughs> let's face it, we're not going to see Watson. And I think he will get the full one-year uh, suspension. I would not be shocked if we see Jimmy G uh, uh, in, in a in a Cleveland Browns uniform uh, sometime before week one of the NFL. I don't think he'd be the starting quarterback a week one. I think it's still, still going to be Brissett, but I still think Jimmy G will probably end up in Cleveland if Watson gets the full year, which I think he's going to get the full year. I, I agree. I think he needs to get the full year. So do you do much Major League Baseball? I don't want to ask you about it if that's not a, a, a forte of yours. Well, is baseball still going on? Because I thought Juan Diego, since they changed San Diego to Juan Diego, now they got Juan Soto there. I thought I thought the Padres was just going to win it all. But I love me some baseball, especially playoff baseball. But if I was a Dodger, you're probably in cruise control. But now Kershaw going off a bad back uh, last night, and the Padres got uh, pretty much revamped a new team. Who wants to face that offense in San Diego? We could see maybe a Houston-San Diego uh, World Series when everyone maybe a month ago thought it was going to be Yankees-Dodgers. That was exactly where I was going to go, is how much did the needle actually move for San Diego? You go and get Soto, that's huge. I truly think, Rafael, that two of the bigger moves that San Diego made were getting Josh Bell and Drury, who are guys that are just solid baseball players adding depth to their lineup. San Diego's not going to win the West. They're too far back. But when they get into the playoffs, I think they're going to be dangerous. How much did the needle actually move for them at the deadline? Oh, it moved. I think if you're the Mets, the Braves, uh, you're worried now that San Diego. Hey, let's face it, San Diego's only 12 and a half games out of first. They still have to play this weekend series. So let's say if San Diego sweeps them, then all of a sudden you're only nine and a half games back. So I, I do believe the Dodgers come out of the West, but the, uh, I think they can't gain up some ground. And again, if you're the Mets and Braves, you're worried on NL. I don't care about the NL Central. The Cardinals got a big fat F for me for the for the trade deadline, and so the Brewers. Uh, they got a big fat F for me during the trade deadline. So who cares who wins the NL Central? They're just going to be a doormat when the playoffs start. Uh, almost the the same for the AL Central, right? You got the Twins and, a, and the Guardians and a couple other teams out there. No one thinks any of those teams are going to do anything in the postseason. No, but the biggest mystery, not the Watson six-game suspension, that's a big mystery, but the biggest mystery is how does Tony La Russa still have a job in <laughs> Chicago? Uh, in the South that's the biggest mystery for me. Uh, I still can't believe he's in. They were supposed to walk away with the Central, and they've just been awful with injuries and just poor management or poor coaching. Uh, I, I think the Twins uh, stay into that one and win a division, but, but how does Tony La Russa have a job? Rafael, one team shifting back to NFL real quick. That is a big mystery team to me are the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's no more Ben Roethlisberger. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. We know so much about all those stats there. The Steelers are doing something that other teams in the NFL are not doing, which is that they're investing a lot of their salary cap on defense. They actually have the most money of anybody in the NFL invested into defense. They're 32nd in terms of money invested on offense. I don't know if that's going to work or not, but we'll find out soon. Over under seven or seven and a half, based on the book you're looking at, what do you make of the Steelers this fall? 
I like the Steelers over. I mean, you said they're a double-digit win season every year. And let's face Big Ben had no arm for the past three yep. years. And now, I know everyone keeps on saying the quarterbacks have not been doing well uh, in practices right now. But we're talking about practice. They have to go up against the Steelers' defense. So, of course, they're not playing well uh, in the outside in this humidity. I, I still think the division probably is Baltimore's. Uh, I'm not sold on Cincinnati. I think they take a small step backwards uh, this year, but I, I like Pittsburgh. I think they win eight or nine games in, uh, in, in Steel Town. Yeah. One number that was surprising to me, and maybe it, like, it, I hate to doubt the handicappers, but you guys are far better at this than I am. I see over under seven for the Giants, and I'm looking at that, and I, I even see some books going seven and a half. I'm just wondering where they're going to get those wins. I get that their division's not very good, and you can maybe steal a few there. But, like, I don't see it roster-wise. Why is the Giants' number a little high? I would have thought maybe a win or two less for them. I think money coming in on the faithful New York Giants. But I agree with you. I can't find wins uh, for them. Maybe week two when they play Carolina at home. But Carolina, I think, is going to be a much improved team this year. So I'm not saying they have to start the season off with the Titans. I don't see them. And we're going to see a brand-new, different New York Giants team next year. Brand new quarterback, brand new coaching. Maybe we'll see your old your old coach there uh, in New York now that he can't go to Miami. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, the New York Giants. I can't wait to see their team next year because this team's going to be garbage. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, so, are the, last year the Bengals kind of came out of nowhere, right, and ended up going to the Super Bowl? And look, I agree with you, and it hurts the feelings of a lot of folks in Louisiana because we all love Joe Burrow and everything of the sort. I think they're going to take a step or two back. Because a lot of what they did last year just frankly isn't sustainable. He got sacked a ton. He got beat up on. They've got to get better in a lot of areas. But my question to you, Raphael, is is there another team around the NFL similar to the Bengals that you think could kind of catapult up to that highest level and take everybody by shock? There's a bunch of teams, I think, out there. I'm going to go into NFC North, maybe the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, If Green Bay starts off sluggish, let's face it, that division's horrible with the Bears and Lions. So maybe the Vikings with a new coaching staff, a new scheme, maybe they can pull uh, some W's out. And I'm going to say the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, you guys have seen Matt Ryan. I, I've heard he's rejuvenated. He's having some really good practices. He loves his new team. And that offensive line, you know, is going to protect them. They're going to be able to run the ball. And that defense is always going to be good. I like the Indianapolis Colts. I know everyone thinks the Tennessee Titans are going to win the AFC South. But here's another division that they have to play the Texans and Jaguars. So I like the Indianapolis Colts in the AFC South. Yeah, that's I, I don't mind that. I, I like that a lot. A team that I think Rafael is getting overlooked are the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, Mahomes had kind of a weird year last year. They, as a team, had a weird year last year where any which way that the ball could bounce the wrong way, it did. If there was a tipped pass interception, it was likely happening in the Chiefs game. If there was a ball bouncing off of a helmet into the defender's arms, it was likely happening in the Chiefs game. I get that they lost Tyreek Hill, and that's a blow. And I don't know that Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be able to replace what Tyreek Hill was doing. But 10 and a half, I don't know. I just get the feeling Mahomes is going to have a bounce back here. I, you hear all the talks of, oh, he's he's done and this, that, and the other. He's still in his mid-20s, for God's sake. I think the Chiefs at 10 and a half is kind of spicy for me. I like that one. Just like how I said, the Bengals take a small step backwards. I think the Chiefs, again, take a small step backwards. Because I'm on the other side on you at this one. I think their run was over. And I, and you're trying to tell me that the, the L.A. Chargers defense is going to run wild in that division. I like I think the Chargers at plus 240, 250, depending on where you shop to win the AFC West, I think is really good value. Uh, I like that. I think the Chargers win that division. And, again, I would not be shocked if the Broncos or Raiders 
are, are in second, and maybe the Chiefs are in third and fourth. I don't think the fourth, but third place. I'm not sold on Kansas City. I love what the Chargers did on defensive line, and you know they're going to produce on offense. That's a good point, too, now, and that's something that maybe I wasn't altogether taking into consideration. You got six games with the Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos, and that goes for everybody in that division. That is a brutally tough division. Everybody's going to be good. Obviously, only one team could win it, but that's going to be as good of an NFL division as we've seen in a while. Those are all some really, like, if you told me that any one of those teams won the AFC, I wouldn't be altogether shocked. Uh, I don't see the uh, Broncos or Raiders. I mean, granted, uh, I can't say that too loud because the people in Las Vegas will right. kick me out. Right. Uh, but uh, I, I think it's going to be between Chiefs and Chargers. But Broncos and Raiders are not going to be easy uh, Ws for any of those uh, three teams. Very good. So talk us through this, man. Uh, you know, what goes into what you do? Uh, I know there's a lot of looking at numbers and, and – you know, a lot of folks uh, do sports betting, and we're not very any good at it. I, me being one of them, I do it for fun or whatever. Maybe it's a recreational thing. What do you have to do to be good at this stuff? Patience and money management. Uh, and, and the number one thing, learn how to lose. Because everyone knows how to win. Everyone's happy when they win, just pump themselves, take the wife out for the dinner. But how do you uh, learn how to lose is probably the biggest thing. Because you ain't going to win every day. There's a reason why those lights are on on the Vegas Strip and in New Orleans. Uh, on Canal Street uh, with Harris is at. There's lights on all the time. There's a reason why that happens. But the, I think you have to money management and learn how to lose. I've been doing this for 20-plus years as an odds maker, betting myself and stuff like that. And that's one thing I did early. I learned how to lose. And I put money aside. So I don't use mortgage, rents, wife's anniversary, wife's birthday presents on gambling. I have the own stuff. So if I lose, I lose. If I, if I win, then maybe, she, uh, maybe I can buy that uh, Netflix or our Amazon Prime uh, shopping habit that the wife has. So what you're telling me is that after you lose a college football bet in the 2:30 game, going double or nothing in the six o'clock game isn't a good idea. <laughs> uh, for my bonuses and for uh, for uh, the bosses happy, oh yeah, keep on doing it. But for smart money, but for smart management, no, that's not smart. Uh, I always tell people make your bets all at once. And then when you lose, if you lose in the morning, don't chase the afternoon and evening because you just dig yourself a deeper hole. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. We were saying that tongue-in-cheek. Let's talk a little college football before we wrap up with you. Alabama is going to be there at the end. A lot of folks think Ohio State is going to be there at the end. Try to find us a couple of other gems and a couple of diamonds in the rough on the college football side of things, some teams that maybe we're not thinking of that could potentially have great years. Uh, I'll just say with USC. I mean, granted, I don't think they're going to win at all, but Getting them at 14 to 1, 15 to 1, depending on where you shop at, I think it's good value just because if you can get to the final four, then you can hedge off that future ticket and make sure you win no matter what happens with their game, uh, in that tournament. Same thing with Texas A&M. They're 25 to 1 somewhere out there. All I'm saying, the, the pick teams that you don't think they're going to win it, because let's face it, I think Bama, Ohio State, uh, or Georgia, those three teams are on it. But just pick a team that you can get to the final four because then you can hedge off that ticket because you're going to get a great number uh probably 15 to 1 or higher so then you can hedge off that ticket and get that money back that you spent on the usc texas a&m oklahoma uh and still come out positive when it comes to a national championship this is a louisiana based radio show i gotta ask you about lsu some folks are saying six and six some folks are saying ten and two the number set right in the middle eight and a half what are your thoughts on the Tigers? Brian Kelly's a winner. He's won everywhere he's been, but it's likely going to take a little time in Baton Rouge. What do you think about LSU? He won at Notre Dame playing an independent uh, schedule, and they did not play an SEC schedule. 
Uh, I think they'll be okay. Uh, those people think 10 and 2, please give me a call. Or I'll take your action <laughs> because, again, Christmas is just around the corner. But I think they'll be decent. They're going to play hard. Uh, I, I see them seven, eight wins maybe. It all depends on how they play the second half because that second half schedule is a little bit brutal. Very good. Rafael, where can we find your work, brother? You can find me on uh, Instagram at Rafael Spars. You can find me on Twitter at BSI.Sports. Thank you so much for the time, my friend. We'll chat again soon. Take it easy. Have a fantastic weekend. Yes, sir. That is Rafael Esparza, Las Vegas Sports Informer, doing a wonderful job. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we're going to Richard Fisher. We'll be talking some LSU and some Saints and having a great time in an old armchair quarterback's reunion. It's the Sports Hangover on ESPN 100.3. Thibodeau Regional, again acknowledged for delivering an outstanding patient experience by Health Grades. While we may be the recipient of the award, our patients are the real winners because you can have confidence in the quality of care you'll receive. Thibodeau Regional Health System, proud to be among the top 10% of hospitals in the nation and the only hospital in Louisiana recognized by health grades for providing an outstanding patient experience 14 years in a row. you have a pest control problem? Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies has an experienced staff that can guide you with the products to use yourself for your home or business. They carry a full line of professional products for termites, mosquitoes, ants, wasps, fleas, bed bugs, mice and rats, or any other pest control needs you may have. That's Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies. Call 985-475-3314. That's Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies. Did you or your loved ones go without this hurricane season? Well, this year, go with Industrial Power Systems, your only local power generation professional serving Lafourche for over 18 years. We offer sales, service, installation, and maintenance on all major brands of residential, commercial, industrial, and marine generators for the most trusted brands in the industry. Generac, Kohler, Briggs & Stratton, Cummins Onan, and many more. Industrial Power Systems. Power is our middle name. Call us today at 632-1692 or come see us on the back road in Galliano. Do Friend Building Materials is inviting you to our 7th Annual Fishing Rodeo, Friday, August 19th, and Saturday, August 20th, in the same spot as always, Bridgeside Marina in Grand Isle. Scales will open Friday with a cornhole tournament at 6 p.m. Saturday's festivities include middle races for the kids, auctions, door prizes, and more, and we'll have gator coolers for first, second, and third place in each category. This year's benefactors are the Center in Cutoff and Bridge to Independence at Nickel State University. Check out our Facebook page for more details. See you all there. Phone. We want you to be on the show. Now back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Nope, still not Gus Kattengill. It is Casey Gistler here filling in for the G-Cat who will be back on Monday spending a little R&R on the beach. We are having a great time talking some sports throughout the show. We started here at 1130. We're going to be wrapping up at 3. We'll be spending the next half hour with a friend of mine, former radio host of mine, lifelong buddy Richard Fisher, who's on the line now. We'll be talking some NFL and some college football. Fish, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Doing good, my man. Great to talk to you, Casey. How things shaking with you? Great. We're doing fine, bud. We uh we had Rafael Esparza, who's a Las Vegas handicapper, on in the last segment of the show. And one of the things we were chatting with Raphael about is just the 
uncertainty surrounding New Orleans, right? Some books have them over under nine and a half. Some books have them over under eight. Um, and I was talking at the one o'clock hours. Hey, I could see New Orleans having an 11, 12 win season if everything goes right. If everything goes wrong, I could see them having a six or seven win season. There's a lot of difference and a lot of middle ground between the ceiling and the floor. Do you agree with that, man? I feel like New Orleans is one of those teams where it could either go really good or really bad or somewhere in between, and there's a lot of ground between those two medians. I I couldn't agree more with that analysis. If you're a sports better out there, I would highly encourage you to stay away from the Saints win total this year. There's There's moving parts, obviously, with every team out there, but it seems to be a few more with the Saints. And it's it's kind of a a, do-you-want-to-look-at-things-as-a-glass-half-full or a glass-half-empty situation. You know, on on one hand, the Saints have the ninth easiest schedule in the league. That's because they only – if you look at the the, the games that they're supposed to be favored and underdogs in as the season goes on – there's really only two games the whole season where the Saints are going to be a dog of more than four points. So they should be in pretty much every game this year, and they've got five what should be uh, on paper pretty easy wins, two over Atlanta, two over Carolina, and then one over Seattle. But then you've got that big, giant middle of 11 games that are essentially going to be pick em. So it 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 it's it just... Are things going to go right? Are things going to go wrong for the Saints? We don't know. And even coming out of last year, a year where I think you could say a lot of things went wrong for the Saints. They were the seventh most injured team in the league. They've still found a way to get within an eyelash of the playoff and and would have made the playoffs if not for that crazy finish out in L.A. last year where the the Rams had the, the highest win percentage I think I saw in the history of the sport to end up losing the game to, to let the 49ers sneak in the playoffs there. So it, it, it is a, there are a lot of stats that say that the Saints have an opportunity to be great this year. There are a lot of stats that say that maybe the, the glass is a little bit more half empty. Another, uh, another one of those would be the Saints have the fifth worst rest advantage schedule in the league. I know that's a lot to spit out, but this is actually really important. If you look at the the number of days the Saints have between one game and the next game compared to the other teams in the NFL, the Saints are fifth worst. And if you don't think that matters, you're wrong. Because if you look back at last year's season, both the Bengals and the Rams, who made the Super Bowl, were in the top five in terms of rest advantage over their opponent. And the Patriots, who got out to an awesome start in the first three months of the season and completely fell off a cliff in December and January, they had the worst rest advantage schedule in the league. So it hurts the Saints that they're fifth worst there. But, you know, I, I think it it's going to come down to staying healthy and not getting turnovers and also not getting sacks out of the offense. You know, when, when, when Jameis Winston came over from Tampa, we all asked ourselves, was Jameis going to keep doing Jameis things? And when it came down to turnovers, he was pretty doggone good last year until he got injured. However, when it came to taking sacks and taking sacks in inopportune times, it was the same old Jameis that we saw from Tampa. So the Saints desperately need to improve in that regard if they want to 
compete for the division title and make the playoff in the NFC this year. And NFC, by the way, that is eminently winnable. You, you look at Tampa, who should be the favorite in the NFC. They just lost their center. What are they going to do? Are they going to sign J.C. Treader? I mean, I, he had a really good season in Cleveland last year, so it's pretty odd that he's available for all 32 teams. So you wonder if there's an injury situation there. Green Bay is the other favorite, but as I talk about this rest disadvantage situation, they've got the worst rest disadvantage situation in the league. So for all the sports bettors out there, I would highly recommend you do not bet Green Bay to win the Super Bowl this year because as the season goes on, that's going to affect them more and more toward the end of the season than, than toward the beginning of the season. You want to bet Green Bay to win the division, be my guest, but Super Bowl, I wouldn't do it. So the, the Saints are kind of a glass-half-empty, glass-half-full situation. I'm excited to kick back and see how they do. I had Ralph Marbro on on Wednesday, and he was you know we were talking about Jameis Winston, and one of the things that Ralph was saying is that one of the keys to New Orleans this season is keeping the offensive line upright because he believes, and I kind of believe this as well, is that they've got six guys who could play at an NFL level. You're looking at Hurst and Penning, whichever one is the left tackle, Andrews Pete at guard, Cesar Ruiz at guard, McCoy at center, Ramchak at the other tackle. Outside of those six, there ain't a whole lot that you would be comfortable using in an NFL game on Sunday. Now, if Winston is upright and he's got time and there's not defenders in his face, he could go through all his progressions, he could do damage. Whenever there are guys in his face and the rush is coming and he doesn't trust that the line's going to protect him, he gets the ball out maybe a half a second sooner than normal, that's when you start seeing the interceptions. And Ralph said that the key to the season isn't so much on Winston's back as it is on keeping the offensive line healthy. Do you agree with that? Because I think that's going to be the number one storyline of the year. They cannot afford any injuries up front. I agree with that with one caveat. I'll tell you why I agree with it first. And it's that if healthy, the Saints have one of the best offensive lines in the league. They are a bunch of studs up there. They were not healthy last year. And uh, they, they are an outstanding pass-blocking unit. They struggled a little bit in run-blocking last year. But if you can be successful on early downs, passing the ball and getting yourself into short second downs and hopefully bypassing third down, but short third downs when you need to, um, that, that, that's going to be a very successful situation for the Saints. The, the reason why I'll push back just a little bit on, on it all being on the offensive line there is Jameis has to take some accountability as well because this is a very interesting nugget that, that I recently dug up. The Saints' pressure rate when Jameis was the quarterback was substantially worse than the pressure rate when Trevor Simeon was the quarterback. And we can throw out the Taysom Hill quarterback snaps because that's a totally different offense there. But it, it's very interesting that when you have one drop-back passer and another drop-back passer, one seems to get pressured twice as much, which leads to negative outcomes on offense. So while the offensive line does have to stay upright, Jameis desperately has to bring down that pressure rate. And maybe a lot, And to be fair, maybe some of that had to do with the lack of targets that he had to throw the ball to last year. I mean, the Saints said few and far between pass catchers on that offense, and they have address that and then some to say the least this offseason so few more open receivers maybe Jameis won't hold on to the ball quite so long this year 
I'm going to have Leo Haggerty on later in the show, Richard, and he covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers every day. So I'm going to ask him this question, and I'm curious to see what, what you say to the same question. I don't know, man. I I don't see it. Tampa Bay currently has the highest over-under win total odds of anybody in the NFL. So the handicappers think they're going to have as many wins as anybody in the league. They and Buffalo are both tied over under 11.5. I don't see it. Tom Brady is 45. There's no Gronkowski. Mike Evans is already battling hamstring issues. He had to leave camp today. There's no Ryan Jensen. Tom Brady doesn't like a pass rush in his face. You go peek at the schedule. You Your first four games at Dallas, at New Orleans, Green Bay, Kansas City. I don't know, man. I just don't see it. I think Tampa Bay will be good. But to say that I'm going to go over 11 and a half, that means 12 and five. When you're looking at a schedule in the first four games, you might lose them all. Uh, I, I don't see it, man. I think the Tampa Bay is going to be a step behind the eight ball this year. I'm looking at 10 and seven or 11 and six at best for them. And I think that's very possible as well. The schedule is very tough. It always is when you win your division. Um, but again, as we, as I kind of nerd out a little bit, Tampa Bay has got the best rest advantage in the league. So this is a situation where although the schedule is hard, the timing of the schedule is is a really big break for Tampa. Tampa, along with Buffalo, have the best rest advantages in the league. So for those reasons, that's that's my Super Bowl pick right there, Um, Tampa and Buffalo. So I, I can absolutely see Tampa struggling a little bit this season, but you know, we, we just kind of keep coming back to how the NFC is just seeming to crumble. Like, there's just nobody in the NFC that you feel is a, is a bona fide juggernaut. So anything can really happen here. And, it, it you know, it, it, it's going to be exciting to find out what happens. No doubt. Look, let's catch a break. We're going to ask Richard to stick around for the next segment. It's the Sports Hangover on ESPN 100.3. We'll maybe shift gears and talk a little LSU in the next segment. We'll be right back after this on ESPN New Orleans. Time is money. Don't waste both running around looking for filters, batteries, and belt sand related items. Fleet Supply Warehouse delivers. Fleet Supply offers daily scheduled delivery, including Bayou Lafourche, New Orleans, Morgan City, New Iberia, Lafayette, Thibodeau, Baton Rouge, the North Shore, plus the River Parishes, too. Automotive, lawn equipment, agricultural, marine, or industrial. Fleet Supply Warehouse. 985-868-0430. Venture Boulevard, Homa. RTC, ETEL, and Vision have always led the way in communications. A network built for every possibility. Internet, TV, voice, and security. And now, we're moving faster than ever before, propelling us forward into the future. That's what we call revolution. And the revolution is closer than you think. RTC, ETEL, and Vision are now Rev. New name, same company. Learn more at letsrev.com. As a leader in the oil and gas industry, Joe's Septic Contractors caters to oil field clients offering vacuum truck service for offshore tanks, vessels, or treatment plants containing sewage or gray water. Their rental department offers state-of-the-art offshore portable toilets, also holding tank rentals and portable hand-washing stations. Call Joe's Septic Contractors 24-7-985-632-5592. In cutoff, Thibodeau, Fushaw, Abbeville, and Reserve, or visit their website at joesseptic at viscom.net. Some people just have a knack for being there when you need them the most. Like your third grade classmate who sticks up for you against that bully. The neighbor who gives you a jump start. And the friend who chases away that flock of geese at your outdoor wedding. Your state farm agent has your back too. Through good times and the not so good. 
And who's got your agents back? State Farm, the company people have trusted for more than 90 years. We're here to help life go right. Call State Farm agent Ashley Barrios and cut off today at 985-632-0988. They say that once you give him control, he'll own your brain forever. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. It's the Sports Hangover here on ESPN 100.3. Casey Jisclair here. We're spending another segment of sports talk with my buddy Richard Fisher. We used to host radio back together back in the day. I know Richard keeps up with all the latest and greatest and really all the sports spectrum, but we're talking football today. Shifting gears a little bit to NCAA. Um, College football has become a little bit monotonous in that every year you know Alabama's going to be there at the end. This year it's widely speculated that Ohio State's going to be there at the end. Um, who are some of those other teams though that could fill out the rest of the playoff, brother? Because I'm looking at it. Um, there are some folks that are speculating maybe Georgia. Georgia lost a lot and they don't have tremendous quarterback play to kind of overcome maybe some of the defensive holes that they'll have. Clemson took a step back. They got better as the year went on. We know their schedule is not going to be tremendously difficult. I don't know. Who are some other teams? It looks like Alabama and Ohio State are the two huge lead dogs. Who are some other teams you think can make some noise? Yeah, if, if you're if you're betting on anybody other than Alabama or Ohio State to win the championship, you're throwing your money in the garbage. Uh, the, the, those are going to be the one and two seeds going into the playoff. As you mentioned, Casey, Georgia lost darn near everything on defense. So it's, it's going to be tough to, to see them be anywhere close to the same level they were last year. But four and five stars are there. So it can happen. It's just going to happen from – players we haven't seen it happen before but looking around the country you know Clemson loses its defensive coordinator Venable to Oklahoma who's been outstanding so you think Clemson's defense is going to take a step back and boy if Clemson's defense wasn't as elite as it was last year how many games would they have lost um so the ACC is completely up for grabs I don't really think you have a playoff contender there uh the Big 12 where Venables went you expect Oklahoma to take a little bit of a step back after losing both their coach and quarterback. I mean, I'm who's going to win that conference? Like that, that's wide open as well. And I don't think you're going to have a, a a playoff contender there. And then out in the Pac-12, you know, you've got solid programs in Oregon. Although it's going to get real for Oregon in that early season matchup against the SEC. We'll see what they got. Um, USC, UCLA, it's going to take, uh, it's going to take, uh, Lincoln Riley some time to get USC going, you would think. And, and, and like, who, who else in the Pac 12 puts any fear in your heart? Utah, maybe? Let's see how they do in the heat and the humidity of the swamp week one. So th- this could be a year where there's an opportunity for another mid major to step up and grab that four seed. And I think it's going to be a year where, you know, we're we're kind of just going to pretend that it's a competitive season, but it's really not. It's Ohio State and Alabama's championship to lose. I'm whispering this as I say this because I don't want the fans in the South to come into the studio and burn me at the stake, but I don't know how good the <laughs> SEC is going to be. You look at the conference, dude, Alabama's going to be great. 
Let's look at the rest of the West. Arkansas, their quarterback issues, you know they'll play hard, but they're going to be limited. Auburn's a train wreck. LSU's a first-year guy. Mississippi State, Mike Leach and, you know, all the shenanigans there. They're not recruiting altogether well. They're going to have a good system. They'll win a few. They're not going to be great. Ole Miss is replacing the quarterback. Texas A&M, they're the NIL team. They got a bunch of freshmen who are all going to be guaranteed playing time and everything of the sort. How's that going to work? Then you look out east. All I've got to say is this about the East is Georgia's picked to finish first there. Kentucky's picked to finish second. When was the last time we've ever heard that? That just goes to show what the league office or the, 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 the voting coaches and media think of Missouri, South Carolina, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, all the other schools. I think it's a situation where we're going to see a whole lot of seven and five and six and six in the SEC and a whole lot of teams who are not going to be as good as normal. I agree, Casey, and the preseason win totals reflect that. It's a whole bunch of sixes and six-and-a-halves and sevens and seven-and-a-halves. Uh, I think you had a, a really good breakdown of, of all these teams in the SEC, you know, go, going out east. Uh, it's, you've got Georgia number one in the east. You've got Florida. That's going to be in a bit of a rebuilding situation. You know, the, the, the reason why you move on from Mullen is because you're not bringing in recruits, so that's going to create a little bit of a – a little bit of a time lapse there, even though I think a lot of us do believe in their new coach from ULL out there. Um, Tennessee is going to score; they're going to score fifty every game. But are they going to give up fifty-five every game? I don't know. I think picking Kentucky second in the East probably is the right decision. And and who's who's the best quarterback? South Carolina probably Spencer Rattler. Let's see how he does. I mean, you go from being the Heisman favorite at Oklahoma one year ago today to being benched and transferring within a year. I mean, that was such a crazy fall from grace. But as always, I think you should you should probably uh, think about pedigree there and, and, and that maybe all those experts weren't wrong and he can prove some of some of the some of the people who doubted him last year at Oklahoma wrong. But uh yes and, and, and Casey the West is also a little bit of a uh, of a of a league in transition too. You know, Ole Miss is losing 20 starters and both coordinators. They might finish last in the West with good old runaway lane. Um, Mississippi State, I, I, w- I would look for Mississippi State to surprise some folks this year. If you look at Leach in his entire career at Texas Tech, Washington State, now Mississippi State, when he's had a third-year starting quarterback, which he has this year in Will Rogers, he's won nine games in each of those first two years. One with Texas Tech, one with Wazoo. Now, do I think he's going to win nine games in the SEC? No, but they are returning quite a bit, and they are a team to look out for. As you mentioned, Auburn's completely in shambles. The whole Finley situation, you're probably looking at starting Calzada now from A&M, who didn't put fear in any of our hearts. Look at Arkansas' schedule. That is, they they got a crazy schedule. They they open up with Cincinnati, and then they've got Spencer Rattler and, and South Carolina at home, and that's their first two games. Their fourth game is at A&M. Their fifth game is Alabama at home. So by October 1st, it gets real for Arkansas, and they don't play an SEC game at home again until LSU in mid-November. So they could be a team that's not feeling good about itself and kind of packing it in. Or they could be real excited to have a home game and be up for LSU right there. And as he mentioned with A&M, that's just a, that's the NIL team. They've got talent, but are they ever going to put it together? We, we it, I think the clock's starting to tick on Jimbo a little bit. It's getting to be now or never time. 
So one of the things I mentioned earlier in the show, well, a couple of things I mentioned earlier in the show is, is first, I think that this LSU team is different in that in years past, Les Miles would have a quarterback controversy in camp, but deep down they knew they were going to be picking the least bad option, the guy who was going to be least likely to cost you a game. Whereas this year, I think it's the opposite. I think they've got three options that could all realistically do some actual good stuff, be it Brandon Daniels or Nussmeyer, with Howard likely to take the red shirt. That's the first thing. Then the second thing is I was breaking down the schedule. Look, you got Florida State in the dome. You know, you'll be favored there. If you take care of business, you could win that one. Southern, Mississippi State at home. Again, you know, you talked about the improvements they made, but at home, that's one you could realistically win. Then New Mexico, then at Auburn. Auburn's a mess. You can maybe start five and zero, oh. and you know if you do start five and zero. Oh, and again, I'm not trying to say LSU is going to go twelve and zero oh and win the national championship. That's not what I'm saying. But if you get off to the strong start and the guys start believing some of these fifty fifty games that you have later on, you know the Ole Misses and the Arkansas and the Texas A and M's, you can maybe flip a few of those on your side. Like I could see a world where LSU exceeds their expectations, rides some good quarterback play, and has a pretty good year. Yeah, I'm, I'm very optimistic about LSU. And, and like you, Casey, I'm not national title optimistic, but, but I am optimistic that they could really surprise some people and turn some heads. Um, the quarterback play is going to be key. It, it was very interesting to hear Coach Kelly say that he thought Nussmeyer had the best spring. So, you know, I think we felt real good about Brennan kind of having the, the leg up to be the starter there after – waiting as long as he has and, and not transferring. I know he was very close going to Southern Miss. You know, you would you would think that maybe there were some promises that were made for him to not go to Southern Miss as it would pertain to him being the starter. So you would think it would be him. But if, if Nussmeyer is stepping his game up as well, you've got some really good choices. And, and that so long as that doesn't split the locker room, that's a wonderful problem to have. And speaking of the locker room, I think the biggest boom that LSU is going to have this year is the culture is going to be so much better. The, the last two years, I mean, we have to admit it, the culture has not been what it's needed to be. We saw so many players sit out, choose to not play, uh, and, and, and get ready for the NFL. Uh, I think that uh, while I do not disagree with the individual choices that were made by those players, I don't think there's any doubt that that sends a message to the rest of the, the roster and not a good one. Um, I think LSU's defense is going to be solid. Uh, the, the offensive line is going to have to be better. Um, but, you know, with, with the continuity that they have there, with Davis being the only assistant coach that was retained by Kelly, I think you feel good about that unit getting better. And then the weapons on the outside – led by Boosie, are going to just be outstanding. So I, I think LSU is going to be a real tough team to deal with. And when you look at the landscape of the SEC, there's no reason whatsoever to think that they can't win eight, nine, ten games this year. I agree, buddy. Well, look, dude, we thank you so much for the time, my friend. Enjoy your time on Grand Out. Have a great weekend. And next time we're co-hosting for Gus, we'll, uh, we'll get you back on. Okay, bro? Looking forward to it. Thanks, Casey. Yep, that is Richard Fisher doing a great job as always. Let's catch a break here. We've got one hour to go down the stretch they come. We've got just 60 minutes of sports talk left 
here on ESPN 100.3. We'll be talking a little bit maybe about the Saints and camp and some different sports headlines that we're interested in in the next segment. Then after that, it's Marlon Favorite, Leo Haggerty. We've got some Deshaun Watson talk as well. It's the Sports Hangover on ESPN 100.3. This is a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup sound experiment. We're looking to find the perfect way to hear Reese's so you'll buy more of them. Here we go. Reese's. 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 Hey, get out of here, you little stinker. Reese's. 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 Peanut butter cups. That, that breathy one sounded very creepy, am I right? We don't want you on our team. You're too slow and fat. This is weight bias. I'm worried about your weight. Don't you care what other people think? Millions who live and are affected by obesity face weight bias every day. You're not the right fit for this job. Unfair judgment by others. Just stop eating so much and exercise some. You lose all this weight. These people often blame themselves. It's just me. Nobody likes me. I do exercise and eat right. And I talk to my doctor. Weight bias hurts. Everyone deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. Your words and actions matter. Let's stop weight bias. Let's work together. Be part of the solution. Go to StopWeightBias.com and learn more. A public service message from Obesity Action Coalition. You're listening to ESPN 100.3 FM, KLRZ, La Rose, New Orleans, and the River Region. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Hello, sports fans. Well, hello there. Local sports, national sports. The GCAT has got you covered. Oh, you made a wise choice, my friend. Time to tee it up and let it fly. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Check it out, George. It's Casey Jisclair here filling in for Gus. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Friday. Hope everybody is knocking off, heading home early, about ready to have a wonderful weekend. We've got 60 more minutes to spend with you all. I was, I was about ready to say 90 more minutes, but boy, buddy would have slapped me. He would have backhanded me if I added 30 more minutes to his work day. We're here spending some time with you until three o'clock. We're having a great time here on ESPN 100.3 and we hope that you guys are doing the same here in the two o'clock hour. We've got Hello, somebody. Marlon Favorite joining us at 2.15. We'll ask him about the things he's hearing from Saints camp and LSU camp. Then also at 2.30, we go to Leo Haggerty, who covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Leo will tell us about how Tom Brady's looking in camp, how Mike Evans' injury is, and the injury to Ryan Jensen. Those are all some big concerns for Tampa Bay. We'll ask Leo about those things over at 2.30. Then at the bottom of the show, we'll talk maybe a little bit about Deshaun Watson and some of the other sports headlines here. In the top of the of the two o'clock hour, we'll talk about. Um, I want to talk about something here that I saw yesterday, and it's. Um, I think it's really indicative of of why this young man has had so much success in his playing career. Joe Burrow has been out of Bengals camp after getting an appendectomy. Okay, appendix issues. Um, had to get it taken out, whatever, common thing. Happens all the time. Um, 
He has been out, has not practiced since the appendectomy. Yesterday, I saw the Bengals were lining up and were running wind sprints after practice. Sideline to sideline. Guys going up and down, you know, touch the line, come back. You know, like you see middle school and high, like the old school, wind sprints, getting in condition, getting ready for the upcoming season. So I'm watching that on Twitter and I'm, you know, paying attention and I'm looking to see, you know, hey, are any of the linemen cheating? Are they, you know, touching before the line? Are they trying to take, you know, half a step off or whatever? Then the camera pans out. I'm seeing to myself, what the heck is this? And I'm looking. You know what I see? It's Joe Burrow in a cart driving from line to line. He can't run the sprints, but he's driving the sprints line to line, back and forth, back and forth. That's leadership, y'all. He can't physically run the sprints, but he's taking part in the team activity with his team. That's what I want my quarterback to do. And let me tell you something. When Burrow gets back in the lineup and the appendix boo-boo's healed and he's able to practice, I promise you he's going to actually be running the sprints with everybody else. He's going to make up for lost time. That's what he does. How often do we see a guy in professional sports or collegiate sports who's out, not able to play, injured, and they're pouting on the sidelines because boo-hoo, I can't play. Boo-hoo, I can't score a touchdown. Boo-hoo, I can't do this. I can't do that. Me, 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 me. It's refreshing to see a guy who's out injured, who's not able to make an impact on the field, but is still finding a way to be a presence and still finding a way to be part of their team. And that's what Joe Burrow was doing yesterday. He's going to get back out there soon. He's going to be a part of the Bengals in a big, big way. Little things like that. And it sounds stupid, right? Oh, he's driving a cart up and down the line. Ha, huh? how does that help the Bengals? But when you add up, that's the, that's the key to life, y'all. This is life advice right here. If you don't want to talk about football and you just want to talk about life as a whole, listen to this. I'm 35 years old. I haven't done a whole lot of living. There are people that are far older than me that have far more wisdom than me. But one of the biggest pieces of a life advice that I could give to anybody listening right now is that one of the keys to sustainability and success in life is not necessarily always chasing the big old pie in the sky goal. It's doing this, accumulating a bunch of small victories every day, doing a bunch of little things right every day. And then at the end of the day, looking back and seeing, hey, all of my little bitty teensy-weensy victories have turned into an actual very successful day. You do a bunch of little stuff well, it's going to turn into a big old big thing that you did well. Joe Burrow gets that. He understands that. All the little marginal things that a quarterback in the NFL could do, he does them all. Kyler Murray a couple weeks ago gets put in his contract. Hey, you have to watch film for four hours a week without your cell phone. He threw a hissy fit. Oh, what are you trying to say? I don't watch film. I don't do... You'll never hear complaints about that with Joe Burrow because he does all the little stuff that some of the others don't do. Kudos to him. I saw that little good deed he was doing. It means a lot. And let me tell you something. Whenever we get to the season and those big old uh, offensive linemen got to protect him, they're going to remember who had their back whenever it was hot and you know they were all sweating and everything. They're going to remember who had their back. That's going to pay big dividends in the future. Burrow gets it. He does all the little things well. In the 12 o'clock hour, I was talking about the Hall of Fame game very briefly because the Hall of Fame game and all of preseason football is a sham that teams use to get over on their fans. 
It is a crime that you have to pay full regular season price to go watch a preseason game in the Dome. That is criminal. That that, that should not be. That's the reason why the stadiums are empty. That is a ripoff, y'all. The, the players don't play, whatever it may be. Think back to the COVID year in 2020, right? And I know that, look, there are a lot of people who are super excited about preseason because it means there's going to be football on the TV. And if you're one of those people who is excited, don't let me poo-poo on you right here. Don't let me, you know, drain the joy that you have for preseason. But let me tell you this. Remember the COVID year? What happened in the COVID year in 2020? What did the NFL do? They decided, you know what? We ain't having preseason at all. We're just having camp, then we're starting the year. Did the football that we saw on the field that year without preseason look any different than any other year? No. It looked exactly the same. I don't know why we have these games. Maybe it's just for TV. Maybe it's just for a chance to open up the doors to the stadiums and make a little bit of extra money and further drain the accounts of the fans. Maybe it's a combination of all these things. But this idea that the coaches need the games to study the players and figure out who's going to make the team, that's hogwash. You don't need them. We went that whole COVID year without any preseason, and the teams looked the same when the season started. Nobody was rusty. The quality of play that we saw in week one was all the same. Ain't no damn preseason in college football. LSU has camp, then they go play Florida State in the Dome. They don't have a preseason game against Nichols to get ready for the year. No. You open up week one and you go play and that game counts. That game matters. Now, there are some schools who cheat the system and they will play a lesser school that they could bully and beat up on early in the year and treat it as a preseason game. But the game still actually counts for something is the point that I'm making. So I didn't watch a whole lot of the Hall of Fame game. Hell, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't watch but about three plays of the Hall of Fame game. The Las Vegas Raiders beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 27-11. to And as we said earlier in the show, Jared Stidham had a nice day. Nick Mullins had a nice day. One thing that I did think was interesting, though, is that oftentimes in the Hall of Fame game, we see teams just not play their starters at all. And it's strictly backups, and you don't see any of the key pieces at all. Thought it was a little bit interesting that Las Vegas last night did give the ball to Josh Jacobs five times. Especially a running back. There are a lot of running backs that we see who just don't even do preseason whatsoever. They just show up for week one. So for the Raiders to give the ball to their workhorse and let him play a couple series in the Hall of Fame game, thought that was kind of interesting. Maybe they're trying to kick off a little bit of rust there. He had a nice day, five carries, 30 yards, two receptions, 14 yards. So that stood out. Another thing that stood out from a New Orleans perspective, Tyron Johnson, a New Orleans kid who went to Oklahoma State after transferring out of LSU, he had a nice day for Las Vegas. He had, let me pull up the exact stats, two catches, 39 yards. He made a nice little impact, so he had a nice day. And then, boy, there was a whole lot of LSU on the field last night. Arden Key playing for Jacksonville. You got um, you know, Neil Farrell playing for Vegas. Then a whole lot of Louisiana. We talked about Tyron Johnson, Amik Robertson playing for uh, Las Vegas. It's ridiculous. And we're getting close to the start of the high school football season, of which we're going to be broadcasting heavily in coastal broadcasting, more in the Bayou region. But in the city and across the state of Louisiana, out towards Baton Rouge, Lafayette, New Orleans, the metro areas, it's ridiculous the amount of talent that we are treated to be able to watch every Friday night under those lights. 
it is an honor to be a radio voice of one of our local schools to be able to call those games. And it's now eye-opening to be able to think that, hey, over the course of my career doing play-by-play here for Coastal Broadcasting, I have now called games for NFL players. I have called basketball games for NBA players. Like the amount of special talent that you see is just absurd. And the amount of talent we have in this state is just absurd. And guess what? That's a perfect segue was as we catch a break on the sports hangover, the next guy that we're going to on the phone lines was one of those guys way back when who was absurdly talented and went to the NFL. That's Marlon Favorite. Big Fave, the LSU guy, former New Orleans Saint, will be joining us to talk some football in the next segment. It's the Sports Hangover on ESPN 100.3. Hey, Mike Davis here. Looking for your next new vehicle? Come check us out at Golden Motors. Price is priority. Come place your very own order or choose what is in stock or coming in. Many 2022 Silverado trucks and SUVs to choose from. New vehicles are here on the way. Chevy, find new roads. And if you're looking for that slightly pre-owned or any make and model vehicle, we have it in our huge selection or don't see it, we can get it. Just stop by on the back road and cut off or call us at 985-325-1000. Lakeview Massage and Therapy is a must for recovery, getting rid of pesky pain, or to simply relax. It's part of Upper Cervical Family Chiropractic and Wellness, so this isn't a neon sign place. They have specialists performing work geared specifically to you. Rejuvenate with a 60, 90, or 120-minute session of Himalayan salt stone, injury and recovery, lymphatic detox, pre- and postnatal, post-mastectomy movement, traditional therapeutic massages, and ashiatsu. I've had that. You want to try it. Trust me. LakeviewMassageandTherapy.com for info where recovery meets relaxation. The other day, my friend said he saw a mosquito the size of a pool dew out near Dulac. Now, he may be exaggerating, but mosquitoes are back and swarming up and down the bayou. If you need help with mosquito control, call Terminex and the Bayou Boys, Dan and Billy Foster. They have a number of ways to protect you from those blood-sucking mosquitoes. So whether you live up the bayou or down the bayou, Terminex is here for you. So call those Bayou Boys. They'll get you, get you Terminex tough. Home Health Services in South LaFouche are vital right now. Look no further than Lady of the Sea Home Health, for the sick, the elderly, and the homebound. Our caring staff makes each day a little brighter, a little better. With quality health care and warm, genuine support, you and your loved ones are the most comfortable, content, and independent in your own home. Speak to your physician today about Home Health Services from Lady of the Sea. Call 985-632-6900 for more information. Quality health care locally for you. He's back. He's got his own catchphrase. He's the best invention since they started frosting Pop-Tarts. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. Our next guest here on The Sports Hangover, and this is Casey just there filling in for the G-Cat, who's out on the beach enjoying a good little R&R trip. He'll be back on Monday, but our next guest here on The Sports Hangover is a guy that I love to talk to because you always learn something new when you have this guy on, either about football, about music, or maybe even sometimes both. That's Marlon Favorite, former LSU standout, former NFL player. Big Fave, what's going on, brother? Good to hear from you, man. Well, hello from the 
somebody, what's up, Casey, man? Uh, I'm actually out with the kids right now. They want to grab some lunch. So I'm out with them right now. But but you, you nailed it, brother. If I'm not talking sports, I'm doing music. I just recorded uh, my first R&B song last night. I'm going to drop as a single. And, of course, the ball of broadcasters out right now streaming. So you guessed it, baby. Hello. NFL camp is here, dude. That is a time that's exciting because we're always, you know, as sports analysts, we're speculating, we're guessing what's going to go where and who's going to win this and who's going to win that. Let's start with the New Orleans Saints. Big Fave, I think that there's a lot of variance for New Orleans this year. If they stay healthy and things go well, they could be really, really good. If they have some injuries up front and Winston doesn't play well, it might not be as good. What do you think about New Orleans, man? I think they got a high ceiling and a low floor, and it's going to be a very interesting year for New Orleans. You nailed it, Casey. That, that's the New Orleans Saints. I had an opportunity to go out there uh, with Gus and Jordan and the guys uh, two days earlier this week. And that's what you saw. You saw a team that had so much potential. I mean, defensively in their secondary, they're probably next to none. Um, uh, with the exception, of course, the Rams may jump in that conversation. Um, and then if you, 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 look at, uh, you look at the type of team they have in regards to just familiarity. You have a new ball coach, but he's someone who's been in the building uh, for some years now. You have pretty much a similar uh, system as Coach, coach Carmichael making the calls on offense. So, you know, you have a good position. Uh, I mean, you're in a good position if you don't know all the things to really make some noise, not only in your division, but across the league. So they, they look good, man, across the board. It's a few areas that I, I think uh, need some improvement, but outside of that, they're a great team. Everyone's talking about the secondary, man. Everybody's telling me Paulson and Debo's looking great. Lattimore's looking great. Then, of course, you're hearing a lot of this talk before really Teron Matthew even gets going. And I did this show on Wednesday, and I said straight up, look, Matthew's going to help you on the field a ton. There's no doubt about that. But the impact that he's going to make in the locker room and off the field, and look, it just means more, right? Like we say this all the time about Louisiana guys who are playing for LSU. It just means a little more. Now you got a New Orleans guy playing for the Saints. Like he understands what this franchise means to the city. It's going to be invaluable what he's going to bring to New Orleans. He understands it, Casey. He gets it. Uh, you know, being from this area, knowing the people, knowing the culture, and being at the level you're at as a professional athlete, Tyler is the best safety in the game. And now you can take take your talent. I'm going to take a little book out of the LeBron James. You take your talent down south to put to New Orleans, right, your hometown. So I, I could almost say he's probably didn't think in yet where he is and what's going on. But once the team starts rolling, when he's back playing games in the dome, like 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 he's back in a you know, high school all-star game or, or playing in the, in the national championship, that's when it's really going to kick in for, for him. So I'm happy for Tyler. Been happy for that defense, man. It, it, it just you know solidifies themselves with pretty much one of the best secondaries in the league. Let's talk about LSU for a second, dude. The project, the predictions and the projections for the Tigers are all over the map. There are some folks who are pessimistic and say, "Oh, six and six, five and seven. There are some folks who are optimistic, say nine and three, ten and two, whatever it may be. There is also a lot of speculation about the quarterback. You got Nuss Meyer who takes the first team reps yesterday to open up camp. A lot of folks are speculating that Miles Brennan and others will get their turn as camp goes on. Brian Kelly's bringing a new vibe and a new culture to the program. I think there's still a whole heck of a lot of talent in that team. 
What are your thoughts on our Tigers, bro, as they're opening up camp and getting rolling? The Tigers is loaded with talent, and not to take it inside the trenches. No, I will. I will personally take it inside the trenches. That defensive line, that defensive line has depth. I mean, you look at the starters with those lines. You have you have Ali Gay coming back, Jaquillin, Jaquillin uh, uh, Roy, you have uh, Mason Smith. Those dudes are monsters. And then behind them, you have Fabian Jones who's going to be rotating. He's a monster right now. We're going to have Hillary getting some, some, some rotation in that. So the Tigers have definitely on the D-line. That D-line is probably the script. I would say the second strongest group, I mean, you got the linebacker core, the secondary tonight. That receiving core, I mean, you got Jenkins back. You have uh, Kayshawn Bootsy, the number one receiver in the league. And then it's the quarterback story, of course. That's where, of course, most of the question marks, not only for us, but for Coach Kelly as well, who's going to be my guy? If you ask me, I mean, to me, it's Jay Daniels' job to lose just because of his athleticism and his ability to be explosive at the quarterback position. But I like the fact that it's a, a, a good group of guys. We have old Joey Burrow saying for that one. Uh, <laughs> not every quarterback across the country want to give that a fair shot, so. Uh, I'm excited about the Tigers. I can't wait till we play against Florida State here in New Orleans, and uh, it's a lot to look forward to. I'm in with the Tigers this year. There are some folks, Big Fave, who will say, oh, yeah, Brian Kelly, oh, yeah, he won at Notre Dame, but he didn't face an SEC schedule. Now, that's true, but my argument always is back. Yeah, well, he also didn't have SEC talent either. I think now that folks you know, are that make that argument are going to see, hey, this guy was playing with Notre Dame talent over there, which, hey, look, Notre Dame has some really good football players, too. They send some guys to the league, but they also have some academic restrictions and some different things. They can't get the same type of dude that LSU can. And I think now a lot of folks are going to look at Coach Kelly in a different light now that he's going to have those SEC dudes in his locker room. I think things are going to open up, and I think he's going to be just fine, brother. 100%, Casey. He's going to be fine, man. You mentioned the, the academic challenges uh, we have to get great and quality athletes there, but just the quality of players you get there regardless of speed, strength, and just athletic ability. I mean, most of the players up north, you'll catch some skilled players that that, 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 get, that can move as mobile, but most of those offensive, defensive linemen are big guys that are typically slower. So now he has faster, more athletic offensive uh, linemen and defensive linemen the playbook has more of a range now. He, 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 he can do more now from from a play calling standpoint. So aside from the other things we talk about, the academic holdup, he still has a better quality of athlete. And, and that's something, especially going up against Coach Stadium, which we know that's one of the big reasons he wanted to take the job. Uh, you know, the, the, the intangible of having a better group of athletes. Is there any NFL team, Big Fave, that stands out to you that can maybe make a big leap? Like last year, the Bengals came out of nowhere, kind of took everybody for a loop and ended up winning the whole AFC. And it was just a couple ball, balls bouncing their way of maybe even winning at all. Is there any team that could come out laying in the weeds right now that could take everybody by surprise? I mean, is this a team that, that, gets, that, that, that can really shock the world? And I hate to say this. I really do. I really do, Casey, because, you know, the Cowboys are the team, but the Eagles, uh. man, the Eagles, bro, and, 
it, it, it hurts my heart as well to, to mention this team, but my football since this thing, this team has did so much on defense. They improved their receiving core when that A.C. Brown, you know, Jalen Hurts. As you talk about Big Daniels, you look at other athletic mobile quarterbacks, they, they, they have potential. I think Philly might shock a lot of people this year. Um, but, but outside of that, man, you look at the upgrades, San Francisco committing to Trey Lance, um, you know, the, uh, the Cardinals going in on Kyle Murray, committing fully to him. So, I mean, there's it, so many different things we can look at. But, well, I tell you, those Eagles are a sneaky team that, that might make some noise this year. Big Fave, let's talk about our Cowboys for a second. You're a Cowboys fan, I'm a Cowboys fan. There are so many whispers before the season even starts that Mike McCarthy's a lame duck and they're going to get Sean Payton. Hey, look, if Sean Payton becomes the Cowboys head coach, I wouldn't be altogether disappointed by that, but I'm not ready to just flush this season down the drain. You still got Prescott and Elliott and Lamb and Gallup and a great offensive line and the second year of, you know, Dan Quinn, who was did great with the defense and Parsons and all these guys, I'm not ready to just give up on the year already to go get Sean Payton, man. What are your thoughts as Dallas is in camp right now? I don't know. There's so many things rumoring around that that organization. I thought for the beginning of the week they were going to go after Odell Beckham, <laughs> right? Injuries. I don't know, but I, I had heard that before that um, you know the Cowboys want want to coach Sean Payton. Only challenge. Jerry likes to run everything, and Coach Payton has been down in the water where he had a lot of free range. I don't know if you want to go back just like that, but that is where he came from, so it is a possibility. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it, brother. Look, what LSU game besides the Alabama game? We know Alabama is always a big one. That's always you know everybody's jacked up. Is there any game on that schedule that stands out to you more than that than the others? Like, hey, I got to be in the number for that one. I got to catch that one. To me, there are a few. You know, I want to see Ole Miss and all some of the other traditional rivalries. But is there any one game for Big Fave that he's saying, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to be in front of the TV, I'm going to be watching this, or I'm going to be in person. Is there any one game that stands out more than the others? A lot of folks are saying Florida because they want to see Kelly versus Napier. A lot of LSU fans want a Napier here. Is there any one game that stands out to you? I mean, it, it, it's a few games. Of course, Ole Miss comes here. That's one that sticks out. Plus, that's my wife's birthday. But a game that I'm looking forward to more than any other game is the Red State Classic. For the first time in there you go. Southern University playing, man, September 10th. That, that's a game I want to be in attendance. I mean, I think this year uh, Mississippi State, you know, they're coming down here. They're going to make some noise. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Ole Miss coming to us as well. And you mentioned the Alabama game here. But to me, the game that really sticks out at home at Tiger Stadium is uh, Southern University versus LSU. That is huge for historical black colleges. And huge for the state of Louisiana, man. That's something that the history of both of these organizations, these, these colleges, and, and they're finally you know, going to play. So that's big for the players. And I look forward to that game. I love it, brother. Hey, before we let you go, where can we find your work, man? Where can we keep up with what you do? Y'all, check this out, man. Here's my plug, baby. Big Fade, the ball of broadcast, is streaming on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen and download your music. Y'all go check out the ball of broadcast and watch out. I got the RMC song coming as a single, baby. Watch out that now. Beautiful. Thanks, Big Fave. Have a great weekend, my dude. Enjoy, brother. Be good to say
Yep, that is Marlon Favorite doing an awesome job. Just a great humanitarian for local sports and then also local music. A great, great dude. Super talented human being. The fact that he could be so good at both, well, not just both, three things. Radio, well, I'll throw a fourth thing. TV, he's good at that too. Music and actually playing football, it's ridiculous. Dude's got dripping with talent. Let's catch a break here on the Sports Hangover. When we get back, Leo Haggerty will be talking some Tampa Bay Buccaneers football with camp. Just getting rolling. We've got 30 minutes left to spin on ESPN 100.3. Spare me a freaking dirty looks now. Don't blame me. You want a cash out. And get the hell out of town. Don't be a baby. Remember what you told me. Shut up and put your money where your mouth is. That's what you get for waking up in bed. Start the second half of the baseball season the right way and turn K's into cash and big hits into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just sign up using promo code PLAY. Place your first bet and FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in match bets if you don't win. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code PLAY to get started with your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, West Virginia, or Wyoming. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Illinois. 1 800 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342. 1 888 797 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1 877 Stop in Louisiana. 1 877 Hope NY or text Hope NY 467 in New York. Tennessee Red Line. 1 800 889 in Tennessee. 1 800 522 4700 in Wyoming or visit 1 800 Gambler.net in West Virginia. I'm Terry Mitchell. I'm the director for Workforce Board 83. I've been here 32 years. We offer career counseling, learn while you earn, on-the-job training, work experience opportunities, and apprenticeships. Top-notch A1 staff. They're professional, and they're here ready to help. They want to see individuals succeed. We're here to get you back to work, Louisiana. This message sponsored by the Louisiana Workforce Commission. Keyshawn, Jay Will. And Max. Josh Hart has lost a lot of AirPods. One day I lost two pair in a day. <laughs> See, yeah. I lost them on my way to the airport. I buy a pair at the airport. It's like $300. I get off the plane. I'm like, where in the hell? I could not believe it. GJ and Max. Followed by Greeny. Mornings on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. That man's got some stones. Believe me, he is no wood. His legend lives on. Now back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. It's the Sports Hangover, but it's not Gus Kattengill. It's Casey Jisclair filling in. We've got another 30 minutes to spend with you all. We go to Leo Haggerty, who covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and also Tampa Bay Sports, who's on the line now. Leo, it's about the third or fourth time we get a chance to spend some time with one another. You're really good at what you do. Thanks for uh, the time today. How's it going, brother? Well, it's going well, Casey, and uh, thanks for having me. And, you know, you should have your own show as much as you're on. <laughs> we do. It's on our sister station here Monday through Friday from 1130 to 1. Thank you, man. Um, said you're doing well. I don't know how the Bucks depth chart is doing, man. It's been a rough start to camp. Mike Edwins goes down with the hamstring injury. Ryan Jensen goes down. Those are not just two losses. Those are two big losses at key positions. Jensen is a guy in the middle that – 
Tom Brady doesn't like a rush in his face. Mike Evans is a guy that was, you know, hey, let's go move the change on third and seven. Let's hit Evans over the middle. Those are two big, big blows. Two guys Tampa's going to need to get back, but don't know when they will. You know what, Casey? You're exactly right here. And I, 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 I preach this to people when they listen, that the injury God does not smile on you two years in a row. And again, uh, the Bucks uh, in Vegas, their one loss was 11 and a half. And I said I thought they could get to 12. With Ryan Jensen out, they can't get to 12. They're going to be 10 and 7, 11 and 6. Because here's what happened. The backup center is Robert Hainsey. They drafted him out of Notre Dame. He was a tackle. But the guy is so smart, so athletic, and so flexible, they moved him to center. But what he does on game day as a backup, he covers all five offensive line positions. If they have to put him in as a starter, instead of just dressing seven offensive linemen or maybe eight, they're going to have to dress nine or ten. And that takes away a wide receiver. That takes away a defensive back. That's a huge loss. And Mike Evans, if he has to go down for a considerable amount of time, the guy's had eight consecutive thousand-yard-plus seasons. Leave it at that, right? Yeah, no doubt about that. Now, there was a new body added to the receiver room uh, recently in Julio Jones. How's he looked so far? Look, the, the key with Julio is not about performance on the field. We know he could play. He is 33 years old now, but it's can he consistently stay on the field. Whenever he does, he's a big performer. But lately, he hasn't been able to do so. How's Julio looked so far out there? You know, he's looked good. You know, they brought in Kyle Rudolph, another one. that You, you wonder how much tread's left on the tire. But you know what, Casey? We're sitting here talking about two guys. They got a 45-year-old quarterback on <laughs> right. the center. And you know what? I, I, I go back, and, and my good friend Bruce Nicholson from high school, I said, where's the dad on this? He goes, George Bland. I said, yeah, but most of that dad is him as a kicker, more of a backup quarterback, him, Earl Marl, and them. You don't have a 45-year-old starting quarterback. And I've said this to Gus, and this is Leo's axiom 101. When a quarterback goes south, he goes house south in a hurry. Yep. When a 45-year-old quarterback goes south, he's going to go south exponentially fast. And that's the whole thing. Now, again, they got to keep Brady upright because if this team loses Brady, it's a 7-8 win team for sure. No doubt about that, my friend. So, Let's, you know, keep it a little closer to Louisiana here and talk about Leonard Fournette. There was all these reports. Oh, he's 255 pounds. You know, he's too fat. He's too this. Saw pictures of him the other day. He looks pretty good. And he reportedly weighed in in the 240s, added a little bit of, uh, a little bit of bulk. He said by design in the offseason, how's Fournette look so far, man? Oh, he's looked great. In fact, I sent Gus a picture from practice the other day. I said, this guy looked 265 because if he is, He's still as nimble, he's as fast, he's as elusive as he was in the past. Now, again, if he's that heavy, I wouldn't want to be a defensive back yeah. trying to tackle him. I, I think he's right in there around 240, 245. And again, down here, you know what it's like in the bayou up there in the swamp. You're going to lose 5 to 10 pounds at practice just in water weight. So if he can come in at 240, 245 and play at that weight, I think that's ideal. And believe me, <laughs> In the fourth quarter, defensive back, they're going to make a retirement decision. They're going to tackle that man. <laughs> All of the questions so far have been about the Bucks' offense. Let's shift gears and talk about the Tampa defense. It was a defense that was 
ravaged by injuries in the secondary last season and really struggled as a result. How have those guys held up so far? And uh, what are the expectations? Do they think that they could have a top defensive unit again this year? Well, they do. The one thing the Bucks do more than any other team in the NFL is blitz. And, you know, Todd Bowles is a master at creating exotic blitz schemes. Uh, now, again, you know about the, the blitz. Some days you eat the bear, some days the bear eats you. But most of the time they're getting there. Now, they replaced Sue with Akeem Hicks, which is, uh, in terms of size, man, Akeem Hicks is a big human being. So, again, you got Vita Vey on the nose. It all starts with the pass rush. And, again, you will not find a good pass defense that doesn't have a good pass rush. So you got Vita Bay on the nose. You got Will Golston, who really doesn't get enough credit for playing as well as he does in this three four. You got Akeem Hicks, and now you got Shaq Barrett coming at one side. You got Joe Tryon Sharanka at the other side. And again, what they really do well is they keep linemen from getting to the second level, keep them from getting to Devontae Davis and Devin White. Those guys pretty much can roam tackle to tackle. The Bucks open up preseason eight days from today against Miami, a game that'll be in Tampa. I'm going to ask you straight up, and I think I already will know what the answer is going to be. Are we going to see Tom Brady at all in the preseason, or is he going to be a week one guy? Oh, it all, they already said. Uh, at Wednesday, Todd Bowles came out and said, we're not playing in our starters week one. There you go. So, again, it's going to look like last night at the, at the Hall of Fame game. <laughs> I, I call it the backup bowl, and that's what it's going to be. It's going to be backups, but you know what? It's giving guys a chance to put something on film. So if they do happen to get cut, 31 other teams can go and look at these films. So, yeah, I I think it's a good move in terms of resting your starters. But, again, you got to get them in there when the bullets are flying for real. And, and I, I think you're going to see that week two, a little bit in week three. But uh, I, I'll tell you, Casey, the funny thing, you can make a case for the Bucks being four and zero out of the gate, but you can also make a case for them being zero and four. They got to go to Dallas. They got to go to New Orleans, which is a house of horrors for them during the regular season. Then they're going to host Green Bay, and then they're going to host Kansas City. <laughs> I'll be happy if they're two and two after that because they can be any other which way in record wise. It's a perfect segue to the next question that I was going to ask, Leo, was the last time I had you on, we were talking about just how brutal that first month of the year is. You're facing Dallas on the road. They're going to be hungry. That was a tremendous season opening game last year. New Orleans, a place where you've had zero success. Then Green Bay, that's Rodgers and you know his rivalry with Brady. They'll be hungry. Kansas City coming in, that's Mahomes and prime time and everything of the sort. Right out of the gate. The Tampa Bay roster is going to find out what holes they may have or may not have because you're facing the creme de la creme in the first month of the year. Oh, exactly. And I'll tell you what, I the game they have the most chance of losing is New Orleans. And again, I, I don't know why everybody, all they talk about with Jameis is the one season where he threw the 30-30, 30 TDs, 30 interceptions. Other than that, he's like, Three to one or four to one touchdowns to interception ratio. He had one bad season, and everybody remembers that. I'm more concerned about that New Orleans game. But thank God the NFL was at least smart enough to start the Bucks on the road the first two weeks. When they started at home, it was the lightning capital of the world. (laughs) We sat there for two, two and a half, three hour delays. So thank God they got smart with that. 
Leo, I, I, I don't think that there's any other challenge in the South besides New Orleans and Tampa. Maybe Carolina, if they catch lightning in a bottle, Atlanta's going to be a laughing stock. Do you kind of see that? I think it's a two-team race in the South. As long as both teams stay healthy, yes. And again, uh, Carolina and Atlanta, they got to catch fire in a bottle for, for them to get to. I think their goal right now is to get to eight or nine wins because I'll I, I tell you what, Casey, what are you going to see in December when we come down to week 13 and 14? There's going to be a plethora of teams that can still make the playoffs. I think you're going to see nine and eight in the playoffs because look at the NFC West. I mean, they're going to play knockdown the whole time. And you look at the NFC East, everybody's talking about my Philadelphia Eagles going to win that. I said, hey, guys, problem is you don't play this game on paper. You play it on the field. And I still have Dallas as, as the top team until – Philadelphia can come out and show you you know what's going on. But here's the amazing thing. The Giants got better in the draft. And when you look at what's going on in the NFC East, it's kind of like the NFC South. It all depends on how these quarterbacks play. You know, it, it, all of a sudden, Washington, they get Carson Wentz to play. If all of a sudden Daniel Jones gets to play in New York, it's a quarterback lead. And you know, if Marcus Mariota gets better in Atlanta, whoever starts, you know, Donald or whoever up in in Carolina or Baker Mayfield, if they get hot, they can get their team two or three more wins. So I still think it's Tampa Bay and New Orleans, one and two or two and one, depending upon how you want to look at it, and then the other two. But don't go to sleep on them because with injuries and, and all of a sudden things happening, it could get interesting in December. I had on my buddy Richard Fisher earlier in the show, and he was telling me, hey, man, I think the NFC is wide open. And you were just kind of touched on that a minute ago. Let's look at some of the, the teams that are expected to be amongst the contenders. You got the Rams. They came out and said a couple of days ago, hey, man, Matt Stafford's got an elbow issue. Like, we're concerned. The Cardinals with Kyler Murray, can they keep him upright throughout the course of the year? We don't know who the 49ers quarterbacks end up being. We think it'll be Trey Lance, but what happens with Garoppolo? Will that cause a divide? We talked about all the issues of the teams in the South. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they lose some weapons there. The Vikings, is anybody going to put, you know, Super Bowl level stock in Kirk Cousins? And then you just talked about the East. The NFC is wide open. I could see this going any which way throughout the course of the year. You know what, Casey? I'm going to throw this out at you. You know who has the best chance in the NFC to make a really big jump and get in the playoffs? It's the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I could see that. Here's why. 16 of their 17 games are at noon or 1 o'clock on Sunday. You cannot ask for a better schedule. And their only game is week 18. When they play that last game, they could flex it to the afternoon, depending, which they probably won't. It'll be a 1 o'clock game or a noon game. But, again, when you look at that, you can't ask. You're going to sit down with your guys and say, guess what? We are going to play Sunday afternoon for 16 straight games. That is tremendous. I, I, I would not be surprised to see Detroit win eight or nine games just because of that. I mean, the Bucks got to go to Germany. They're playing on Thursday night. New Orleans, they're playing Thursday night, Sunday night. It, it's, you know, 430 games. That, that's tough because football is a game of repetition. And when you can't repeat the same thing happening, Boy, things change in a hurry. No doubt about that, my friend. Look, before we let you go, where can we find your work? Where can we keep up with your stuff, man? 
Hey, go to Facebook and check Amped Up Sports. I'm getting ready to put up my Lilo's Daily Memo today. And, uh, you know, check it out. We've got some things happening there uh, with, with what we got going on uh, with, with the Bucks. And, you know, Chris Godwin made his first appearance, albeit he didn't do anything other than individual drills. But he was out there uh, on the football field today. And, hey, Casey, if you need me on your show, hey, give me a call. I'm available. Awesome. Hey, we'll make that happen, brother. Thanks so much for the time. Have a great weekend, pal. You too. Good talking to you. Yep, that is Leo Haggerty covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, doing a great job. And we're going to take him up on that. We're going to have him on play-by-play sometime. It's the Sports Hangover here on ESPN 100.3. When we get back, we'll comb the headlines. We've got about, oh, 10 or so minutes to spend, and we'll be chatting up some things in local sports around the state here on ESPN 100.3. Lake View Massage and Therapy is a must for recovery, getting rid of pesky pain, or to simply relax. It's part of Upper Cervical Family Chiropractic and Wellness, so this isn't a neon sign place. They have specialists performing work geared specifically to you. Rejuvenate with a 60, 90, or 120-minute session of Himalayan salt stone, injury and recovery, lymphatic detox, pre- and postnatal, post-mastectomy movement, traditional therapeutic massages, and ashiatsu. I've had that. You want to try it. Trust me. LakeviewMassageAndTherapy.com for info where recovery meets relaxation. Energize your business with Bayou Black Electric Supply in Homa. When you're elbow deep in a job, the last thing you need is to lose time and money fetching electrical supplies. Bayou Black Electric will deliver your items to the job site. There's daily scheduled service throughout South Louisiana, Lafourche, Terrebonne, Morgan City, New Iberia, and Lafayette. Plus, the river parishes too. If you need parts, call Bayou Black Electric Supply. 985-223-8807. Highway 311 in Homa. Did you or your loved ones go without this hurricane season? Well, this year, go with Industrial Power Systems, your only local power generation professional, serving Lafourche for over 18 years. We offer sales, service, installation, and maintenance on all major brands of residential, commercial, industrial, and marine generators for the most trusted brands in the industry. Generac, Kohler, Briggs & Stratton, Cummins Onan, and many more. Industrial Power Systems. Power is our middle name. Call us today at 632-1692 or come see us on the back road in Galliano. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Now back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. Got about another seven or eight minutes to spend with you all here. It's the Sports Hangover. I want to spend some time thanking everybody that has joined us throughout the course of the show. When we were 11.30 to 1 doing play-by-play, thanks to Cullen Mathern and Chain Legitros for their time. And then also certainly thanks to Rafael Esparza, Richard Fisher, Marlon Favorite, and Leo Haggerty who have joined us throughout the sports hangover portion of this show. <laughs> and I mentioned it also on Wednesday. Thanks to Gus, man. Like Gus didn't have to invite me to do this. He, uh, he asked, Hey, are you free anytime Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to fill in? And I said, Hey, whatever you need. Then he shot me back a line saying, Hey, how about Wednesday and Friday? So we were happy to help, uh, pinch it for the GCAT and keep this wonderful program rolling. Here in this segment of the show, we're going to talk a little bit of, you know, just kind of combing the headlines and taking a peek at some of the things that are happening around the sports scene. Um, the Cleveland Browns today have come out and said that uh, they're not going to change their plans at quarterback based on the NFL's decision to appeal Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension. Kevin Stefanski, the head coach of the Browns, said that the team is going to take a wait-and-see approach 
and see what happens in the coming weeks in regards to the appeal before making their change or making any changes at the quarterback position. Stefanski said, and I quote, we'll just kind of await clarity on the situation, just continue to move ahead with what we're doing. Without Watson, Jacoby Brissett, who's a journeyman quarterback, has kind of been a backup on and off, has been playing with the uh, the starter, or excuse me, with the second team, because Watson has been at practice getting the majority of the reps with the first team. Cleveland got to be careful with how they're handling this. Um, they're giving Watson all the first team reps. Okay, I get that. He's their best quarterback. He's their starter. At some point, you've got to be honest with yourself here and realize this joker ain't going to be with us. Like he's not going to, he's at some point going to get suspended and likely for a long time it may be. So that's the situation for Cleveland as they're figuring out what to do with Deshaun Watson. Another headline that just came out on ESPN.com is that USC has hired Ed Stewart, <laughs> a Big 12 executive, to oversee its football program. Um, USC is a program that is in transition. They're moving, you know, getting Lincoln Riley in. They're moving to the Big Ten in the future. Y'all, I try to be open-minded about things. I really do. I try not to be that guy, and I'm, I'm only 35 for anybody listening, so I'm not an old man by any means here on the radio mic. But when something happens in the world of sports, I try to approach it open-mindedly. I try not to just arbitrarily, no matter what, shut down ideas. I try not to be closed-minded. I don't like a whole lot about this college football realignment stuff that we hear about. I don't like a whole lot about a conference where USC is going to be traveling across the country to play a conference game against Rutgers in New Jersey. I don't like, on the flip side to that, the idea, and let's take football out of it for a second, I don't like the idea that Rutgers women's soccer team is going to have to slash through its athletic budget and go play a midweek soccer game in Los Angeles against USC. I don't think that any of this makes sense. And here's where I think it also hurts. I don't like the idea that the SEC someday is going to become this big mega super conference and they're going to form their own little league. It's going to be a mini NFL inside of college athletics. And the teams within the mini league are only going to play the other teams within the mini league. And what does that do for the small win athletic budgets? The programs like Nickel State, who's here in our backyard, here in our LaRose studios. What does that do for Southern and Grambling? What does that do for the other programs that need those big money games to be able to sustain themselves? I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't think it's well thought out. I think that, yeah, the, the biggest of the big schools will make a ton of money, but I think at the end of the day it's going to become like Walmart in that they're going to make money, but everybody else that's not Walmart is going to lose money. And I don't think that's good. I don't think that's in the spirit of collegiate athletics. I get that it's a business. I understand the business model. I understand what we're trying to do here. There's millions and millions of dollars on the table. I just don't know how healthy that is for the long-term sustainability of college athletics for the greater whole, right? LSU is always going to be good. Alabama is always going to be good. Ohio State, Clemson, those programs will always be good. But what does it do for a Southern or a Grambling or whoever it may be? That makes me a little bit nervous. Another couple of headlines that we comb through here before we get out of Dodge is that you're looking at the MLB schedule. We got some big weekend series, y'all. I talked about this earlier in the show. 
The Braves and the Mets are playing a five-gamer over the weekend. That'll decide the shape of the NL East standings over the weekend. The Mets already won one game of that five-game series. That'll resume throughout the weekend. I think the Mets are, have a special group. I think they've got a group that could potentially challenge in the NL. Another big weekend series is you look at the Dodgers and the Padres. The Dodgers and the Padres. Those are going to be the two teams that are going to attract so much attention in the National League. The Padres made all these moves in these trades. The Dodgers are the old guard trying to hold on to their spot, especially after losing to the Braves in the National League Championship Series last year. That'll be a really fun one to keep track of out in Los Angeles over the weekend. And you also got a, a smaller series. You got now the team that's first place in the NL Central, which are the Cardinals, taking on the Yankees. That would be a whole lot of fun. The The Yankees will be traveling out there to see who's going to win that one. Can the Cardinals win a series against the mighty Yankees, who have been so brutally good throughout the course of the year? They're 70-36. and 36. So if you're a baseball fan, there's a whole lot of good baseball on the tube this weekend. That's it for us, y'all. Come find us tomorrow. Sports Corner. Brought to you by Terrebonne General Health System, Stan Gravois, and myself. The latest in local high school, college, and professional sports from your local sports experts. Presented by Terrebonne General Health System, but sponsored by State Bank and Trust Company. Come out for the bourbon testing out at Rouse's in Golden Meadow, 10 to 12. Our Pappy Van Winkle will be enjoying the good stuff. That'll be a whole lot of fun. So let's wrap it up. After further review with Matt Moscona, will be coming on after us. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Please enjoy your time with friends and family. Do something fun. Find a way to enjoy yourself. Greg LeBlanc Toyota in Homa has got your summer deals. Plus, we're ready to deal on every vehicle in stock or online too at greglebaltoyota.com. Remember, we have the all-new Toyota Tundra.